Yeah. I was about to say, I, I was one of these songs that chosen. Yeah, they are, of course. Of Rose course, of course. Song for me. Ah, what's did. up, what's up? We are back here at Huga. I am DJ Nice. To the left of me is Tomato Slice. Roche is not here, so we have a favorite back, Courtney Neesmith. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Our special guest this week is none other than Jamil Whitlow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome, 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 welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So, so that was a that was a Roche chosen song, and he said you were from Chicago. <laughs> yes, I've, I already knew Roche showed that for me. <laughs> <laughs> he calls me Sosa all the time. It's all for real. <laughs> so you grew up in Chicago? Uh, originally from Chicago, from okay. South Side. Okay, uh, moved down here to Charlotte. When I was like 11, okay. uh, my father had the opportunity to uh, move the entire family. So we ended up moving down here, which I think was a good decision. Yeah, got um, out of that. But I was going back home to Chicago literally every single summer. Oh, wow. And I was up there for like three months at a time. So Wow. So It, it was always a, uh, a transition for me to try to figure out how to speak and what my accent sounded like. So, <laughs> Between there and here. Yeah, so yeah. every time I would go home to Chicago, all my family said, you sound so country. Yeah. But then when I come back home to North Carolina, everybody said, you sound like you're from Chicago. Uh -huh. So I'm like, I don't know how I sound then. That sounds like Chance the Rapper, but he did the opposite. Yep. He spent his summers in North Carolina mm -hmm. and then we'd go back to Chicago yep. and stuff. And they were like saying the same thing, how he sounded like country. Because I think yeah. he was like in Mount Area. Yep. Which was, you know, that's above Winston-Salem mm -hmm. and that's... That's boondocks up there. Very much so. I found that out pretty quickly. <laughs> For sure. Um, so you so you moved to Charlotte, though, originally? Yep. So okay. moved to Charlotte. Uh, my father works for the federal government, and we had a chance to either move to Charlotte or D.C., mm -hmm. and uh, my dad was going to be a potentially a field agent for the FBI, oh, shit. and he chose not to do D.C. and actually become a director for EEOC, Equal Employment Opportunity Commissions, which okay. is kind of like the civil side of the federal government. Right. And so he became a director for those guys. It was based out of Charlotte. And funny enough, his office was right above Tilt uh, the entire time oh, we shit. moved here. So I used to go up there all the time and not realizing that this is going to be a, a place I will be have a lot of endeavors <laughs> later on in my, in my life. Right. But, uh, yeah, so we moved down here and been here ever since, man. So Chicago, I'm, I'm thinking you're a little bit older than me, so that's like 90s bull Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, interesting thing, growing up, I never got the chance to really go to any championship games. My family, my parents would always go out and go to bars and celebrate in 40-yard lines and all that kind of stuff, which is a very known uh, bar in the south side of Chicago. But when my family would go and celebrate the Bulls championships or the Bears winning the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. I would always be at home with my cousins and my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother lived on 75th and St. Lawrence, which is in the heart of south side. And once we knew that the Bulls won the actual championship, it was our responsibility to lay on the floor. And you probably ask why we laid on the floor. The reason why is because they would shoot guns off as if it was actually fireworks. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, a, it wasn't a mishap for someone to get probably hit with a straight bullet mm -hmm. or have one of your lights on the outside getting shot out or whatever the case may be. So wow. instead of actually walking to the bathroom, we have to actually crawl to the bathroom Sheesh. and use the restroom. So Holy shit. It's, it's a, it's it's a wild place, but it's an amazing place. You yeah. living in Cabrini Green up there or something? No, that's on the west side. I'm from the south side. Oh, yeah, right. I know all about Cabrini Green, but not in Grove. I did that too. I yeah. was foolish enough to walk through there in the '90s. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> a white guy walking through there. Don't do that. Don't do that. Either you a cop or you doing something that you're not supposed to be doing over there in the first place. So yeah, allegedly. 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 <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. 
But yeah, of I course, mean, wasn't a cop, so yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it was a it was an interesting experience, man. But that's crazy. I love Chicago, man. I always oh, try I, to get back. Yeah, if you uh, if you know Jamil, he will let you know three thousand times that he's from Southside. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like the New Yorkers, like I'm from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tattooed on Jamil. It's tattooed on the back of my arm and everything. Yep. <laughs> for real. I've been to Chicago one time, and it was during the summer. So it was warm, so it was yep. nice. Summertime shot. Um, and then and I was up there for a wedding. I did two and a half days up there. Okay. But it was cool. But yeah. I stayed like by the bean, yeah, the, yeah, rit- so the ritzy, the nicer. Yep. Area. Yep. I didn't. I'm like, I just know exactly where I'm going. Yep. I ain't trying to stray away from this yeah. path. I'll be up there and then yeah. I'll leave. And yeah. that was that. No, but it was it. it was cool. Yep. Um, there was a lot going on up there. They, actually, music midtown was going on when I was up there. Mm-hmm. I was just up there for a wedding, so I couldn't go. Yep. I was pissed. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm a festival goer, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting here literally watching all these people walk into this festival. Yeah, absolutely. And then I have to just be up here for this wedding. Yeah. Which the wedding was a vibe, because he actually did it uh, at uh, Harry Carey Sports Museum. Okay, work. So that was super, super cool. That's dope, man. They, uh, they like, laid it all out, so they had um, they got to choose what they kept in there. Okay. So any kind of memorabilia or any of that, like... You know, you had like the Pippin, yep. how tall he was, and mm-hmm. you had the shooting games, and yeah. had all this at his wedding. That's dope. So it man. was super, super, super dope. That's dope. Um, but yeah, that was my Chicago experience. Chicago's dope, man. Yeah. It's a beautiful city, man. I need to check it out again, but yeah. I haven't had the corona. You know, yeah. All that shit no, fucks everything it. up. I get it, man. So you still go up there pretty often? Yeah, I was just, um, for honestly, for example, that uh, I was up there about three or four months ago. Okay. Um, and before that, um, I didn't go for a while. Okay. Uh, once my grandmother passed, I was like, you know what? I need a break from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last time I went, uh, which is unfortunate, my uncle passed away. But I had the chance to actually be a tourist for the first time in a very long time. Right. Um, a lot of people that will tell you that they're from Chicago. When you're from, like, certain areas of Chicago, mm-hmm. you never leave those areas. Like, right. Yep. At all. You know, so when I would go home. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I go home, I was, like, literally either at my grandmother's house or my Auntie Karen's house. Or at one of my cousins' house, and I would be watching my little cousins, hanging out with my aunts and my uncles, hanging out with family. Mm-hmm. I would never get a chance to kind of like really explore. And recently, I had a chance to kind of explore for a little bit uh, for a little amount of time I was up there. So I had a chance to go to Three Dots in the Dash. I got a chance to go to a couple par- parts in in the uh, the Chicago Loop. So you know, it's it's a lot of places in the, in the city I haven't had a chance to explore yet. But I can't wait to go back up there and actually just take the fam to right. Isn't that where the Sears out. Tower is? Yeah. Well, Isn't now it's, there an it's called the Willis Tower. Right there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever been there? I've been there when I was in school. Did you uh, lean against the glass? I can't remember that part. I'll be honest. Is that the one where you look over? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Um, are you talking about the aquarium or the Sears? Tower? I don't know. The I think it's Sears Tower. Is yeah. that what they do on Ferris Bueller? Yeah. yeah. Sears yeah, Tower yeah, is like yeah, the yeah. highest yeah. building in the United it's States. It's called the uh, Willis Tower now. I leaned against it. Because it was Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I've never even been there yet. That's Dang. The thing. Yeah. That's wild. You live in like that city. like It's famous for all that. And you, yep. you know, you've never been there. That's I mean, that's the thing. When we moved out of the south side and we moved to kind of like the southeast side of Chicago, which is called the Beverly area, that was my first time kind of being around like multicultural. Like, okay. Like it was, a lot of people would tell you back then, it's probably still existing today. Chicago is one of the most segregated cities you've ever been to. So at the time, when I was living in the southeast side of Chicago, I went to a school called Clissold Elementary. And our neighbor was, one of my neighbors was a firefighter. Next neighbor was a uh, police officer. But it was the first time, honestly, I've ever been around that many white people. Wow. Like, at all. And we had some crazy things that happened to us, you know, back Ooh. at that time, to be honest with you. But we grew from it. And it like was what? good at the time that we actually had a chance to experience that. 
uh, at a younger age and I really get a chance to kind of dabble and kind of get into that stuff when I got older. Mm-hmm. Our neighbors were what well, we thought about neighborhoods, right? Yeah. Going up, growing up the south side, everybody was a community. That's cool. So you knew, I knew the old woman that lived on the block that mm-hmm. conceived me when I walked to the store. See, mm-hmm. that's awesome. So, but then again, does that make you get stuck in that neighborhood? And is that why potentially, you didn't go yeah, out? Some absolutely, people, yeah. That's the same. Yeah. So I mean, so one thing I will say that when I when I used to go back home in Chicago, right, I'm the oldest male cousin and the oldest male first cousin. Okay. And being the oldest male first cousin, I had the responsibility. Of watching all the younger cousins. Wow. So when my younger cousin Brandon, who you know, had the chance to go to the barbershop, it wasn't his dad or his mom taking him to the barbershop. It was me when I got home. So I had to walk him to the barbershop. Mm-hmm. But everyone in the neighborhood knew my family. And my family knew everyone in the neighborhood. So it wasn't it wasn't odd for them to say, there goes little Whitlow, there goes little Jeanette, there goes little Karen, talk calling us by our parents' names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not an odd it's not an odd thing to see that. But we're so accustomed to it. That's so cool. That it's like we're it, it, it creates more of a community. So mm-hmm. even though Chicago has a staple of being such a dangerous city, it's very isolated, but it's a very loving city too. So that's how I grew up. And then when I moved to the southeast side of Chicago, when I came around more multicultural, then I started to get a little taste of kind of like what the world was at that time. Mm-hmm. Um and not to put a damper, but I can give you one quick story. We uh, want to hear them all. I give you one. Mm-hmm. I will give you one quick story. So my father is from Michigan City, Indiana, which is like an hour and a half outside of Chicago. It's like going from Charlotte to Greensboro. Okay. And my uh, godfather named Jim Brennan. He's a white man, one of the most amazing men I've ever met in my life. He lives in Europe now. At the time, Jim was coming down to come visit my family, and the house that we had was an old, like kind of like Frank Wright Wright inspired home. So Frank Wright Wright, the architect, man, based out awesome. of Chicago, was a huge house that we had. My parents paid like $64,000 for this house at the time. Insanity, yeah. right? Now the house is worth like a half a million dollars. Was it designed mm-hmm. by Frank Lloyd Wright or it just wasn't. inspired? It, it was inspired by him. That's my favorite artist, uh, by the way. Same. And I am pay. Um, so um, they went to a neighborhood bar to go have some drinks. And at the time, I probably might have been nine years old, I would think, at that time. Maybe eight. Um, and that's obvious. You know, when you get to that age, you're always excited to see your parents when they come home. So my dad and my godfather come home, and as my dad comes home, I jumped on him like normal, and this is what I remember. Jumped on him like normal, he pushed me off of him, and I looked at my shirt, and my shirt had blood on it. So I'm trying to figure out, like, why, does, why do I have blood on my shirt? Come to find out my dad got beat up by a white supremacy group in southeast Chicago, and they ended up beating up my godfather as well. And they all went to court, and they didn't realize they actually beat up a federal agent. So it was like a big ordeal. Mm-hmm. It was a really big ordeal. And so that was like one of the kind of like the first, like, ah, oh, this is what's yeah. happening. And this is why we call we talk about Chicago being a very segregated city. Right. And there's other stories that has happened. I mean, I've had one of our neighbors one time put uh let the dogs out on me and my good friend Nigel, um, that I grew up with. He had two Rockwallers and and let them out on on us because we're kids. We're mm-hmm. playing up against the fence. We got sticks and we're running up against the fence with our bikes. And I guess we're rounding the dogs up. So instead of him telling us to stop, he just let the dogs out. Damn. And we didn't wow. realize the dogs were out at the time until we got back home. And then we see two gigantic rock rollers in the back of our yard. And my mom sees it. Now, my mom comes outside, grabs us as the dogs are running towards us to pull us inside the house. So that's crazy. I mean, yeah. I got attacked by dogs when I was young. It wasn't a purposeful thing, but yeah. it's still anything like with that that young. It's a scary situation, absolutely. Especially yeah. with like bigger dogs and shit. I mean, you're small. You ain't that big of a kid. Like, man, I yeah. don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just being a kid. 
Yeah, if I was your mom, I would just call the pound. But two dogs running wild out here. Got to get them. I, I don't know what my parents did, but they never took care of the situation. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that. That's for that's sure. crazy. Whatever happened with the with the dudes that like beat up your they dad, went to godfather? Okay, they went good. to prison. I don't. I, I can't remember how long they went or good. whatever happened at the time. Honestly, it was such a long time ago. When I worked for the post office, somebody fucked with me. They would have gone to prison. Yeah, too. yeah, for real. I'm just glad it wasn't a situation where they got off. Yeah, same. With the, oh yeah, they, you know. it was impossible for yeah. those guys to get off. I ain't gonna say impossible, but it's it nice wasn't that they happening. caught them. A lot of times they don't. Truly, truly. But my dad is a strong man from that, so absolutely you know, learned a lot. But the good thing is, moving down to Charlotte, it definitely opened my eyes up to kind of like more understanding of different genres, different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm just so I was just so accustomed just to only thinking about like my people and my family, mm-hmm. and that's I guess what helped me out to be so family oriented. And actually being more of a person that's into the idea of being community. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all about supporting my brothers when it comes to anything they got going on. I have no problem saying yes because I know that if I do the same thing, they'll be they'll have my back. So Absolutely. That helped me kind of like understand what that means and to translate it to business too for me. So, mm-hmm. so where did you move to for when you first moved to Charlotte? Moved to the north side. Okay. So I went to... Uh, I went to J.T. Williams Elementary for a year. Then I went Ooh. to Northwest School of the Arts, and I was an art major and a dance major uh, and a piano major. Let me know. make sure I put my plug in about my musicianship. <laughs> Especially <laughs> on the Radical Grove podcast. Absolutely. Got to. Absolutely. And, um, and then I uh, left there, and I went to uh, Vance High School. Okay. Yeah. So before they changed the name. Right. Yeah. Okay. What, what is Vance now? I forget what it's called now, honestly. I don't remember yeah. either. It's not. It's definitely not Vance anymore mm-hmm. because I think the whole movement of, I guess, yeah. the, the name Vance was like a slave owner or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they ended up changing the name, like, I think, like two years ago. Um, but I forget what they called it now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now, how was school here different than what you were experiencing up in Chicago? Oh, very different, man. Um, I think the schools in Chicago and – my mom went to one of the biggest high schools I've ever seen in my life called CVS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called uh, Chicago Vocational School, and it looks like a college campus. Like, it's a huge school. And when I was at Clissold, um, I think at that school it was kindergarten through eighth grade, I want to say. Okay. And there was like six floors to that school. So it was very different, different experience. Um, and I think in Chicago they have a lot of trade education, too, so – you can go to school to be a carpenter, a welder. Like, you have all the opportunities to do that at school. Here in, in Charlotte, it was just, I guess, more or less standard. Go to college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go see a counselor, tell you go to school, go yeah. to college, and that's it. Yeah. You know, so it really – I don't feel that it sets, set me up for what I ideally wanted to do. Right. Um, but it just seemed super, super standard in comparison to what – my uh, family actually experiencing their schools right. uh, in Chicago. So I think it is though. Like here, like I didn't feel like I had a choice other than go to college. Yeah, like I didn't know what else there was. Like I didn't know another option. I, and like I it depends on when you pick up on that because like some kids they knew from like freshman year of high school. Hey, I want to go to college. This is the college I want to go to. I know I have to maintain these grades in order to get to that school. Me, I was just doing the shit I was doing in middle school. Like all right, go to class. Yep, do some work. Yep. If, if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. And then I didn't know by the time I was done with those four years that that would determine where I was able to take my next step. So, Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. if I was going to be able to get into a good school or not a good school, yep. I didn't know. So, I totally agree. And they, don't, and they don't really push that on you either. Like, they're not really, like, they don't inform you as well. At least my school didn't. Yeah. Um, well, it's, didn't. And, it's not, and it's not only that, but it's like what Jamil said. Up there, 
in in the school programs up there, you know, you you're you know, you've got a trade. You're learning mm-hmm. about something, you know, if you want to go work on the assembly line in this factory mm-hmm. or or, you know, mechanic, you know, all you know, realms like that. Here it's, you know, science, math. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, <laughs> your 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 basic subjects, mm-hmm. but you know, very rare and tough to find schools, high schools that have those electives mm-hmm. um, to even like get that, you know, semester in of, you know, learning right. a, a, a trade. Yep. Let me tell you so. about my school. We didn't have vocational stuff like that. Okay. But we had stand-up comedy classes. <laughs> what? Get out of here. That's we had dope. art classes. That's we had dope. television production, radio. But they didn't teach us. We were, you were supposed to go to college. Yep. We, we had maybe one, two people that didn't graduate from my high school. Wow. Our high school was huge. Yeah. Um, my dad, my, we had all kinds of crazy classes that I can't even think of. We had a planetarium in my high school. Wow. We had a rifle range in the school. Yeah. And, and for reference, uh, where'd you go to high school again? Mount Lebanon Senior High School. In? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Or Pittsburgh. Mount, Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Which is an upper class yep. community, which is... They didn't teach you, like, not to go to college. Yeah, for sure. Because people there had plenty of money to go to college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they gave us these ridiculous things. My brother had, like, poetry and music yep. classes. Where it's just That's it was, crazy it in high crazy, school, though. The yeah. stuff that we had. I mean, the, the benefit outside of just making sure you explore the mind of these young kids as mm-hmm. much as possible. I wish they'd had yep. things like what you're talking mm-hmm. about, I mean, honestly. I, I mean, when I went to art school, that was a... Eye-opening experience for me because I was like really around like a lot of different cultures, and oh, that yeah. was a shell yeah. shock. To be honest with you, like I didn't really know how to operate it for the most part. But my parents would tell you when it comes to any core classes outside of maybe math, I was trash. Mm-hmm. D's and F's easily, no Same. problem. Yeah. But when come all my collective, my all my electives, I'm sorry, all my electives that I had, straight A's mm-hmm. every time because I actually Same. found something that I actually you like you enjoyed it, yeah. And yeah. I think this. The challenge a lot, especially now being a new parent and understanding like the ultimate outcome when it comes to what you're looking for once you get out of high school is to try to figure out your own path. Mm-hmm. And I think having the options when it comes to trade members, blue collar jobs are paying some of the highest rates right now. I mean, who do you know, honestly, at this table? Does anyone know a welder? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how many of those do you know? Not many. Three. That's that's actually technically a lot for you to know three welders. I know yeah. a lot. They all live in Waxhaw. Yeah. yeah, well, all mine live back home where I'm in, in Statesville because that's a, a thing for up there. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I wish think, I knew how to weld. Same, same here. It's I wish hard. I knew carpentry. I knew. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew other trades that will allow me to actually gain gain more knowledge about what's out there, but also have the option mm-hmm. of when I left high school instead of just saying I have to go to college because right. that's the narrative or. Do I build my foundation, get a chance to explore who I am as a person, and then have the option to go to college within three mm-hmm. years? Versus saying I gotta go right now, right now, put myself in debt. Is that what you did? Yeah. Where'd exactly you go? A and T. Okay. For a year. <laughs> what did you study? Aggie pride. Aggie pride all the way. What did you study? So I went. My original plan was to be an engineer. I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be uh, an architect. I wanted to be a graphic designer. I really didn't know what direction I wanted to go in, but had a big, big love for it at the time. And when I went to A&T, I wasn't ready for college mm-hmm. at all. I'll be honest with same. you. Same. I went to UNCG. I was the same Plus, way. you said you're terrible at math, but you wanted same. to be an engineer. I wanted to be in, No, no. I was great at math. I was great oh, at math. okay. My bad. It was my all bad. the other core classes. Oh, English, okay. all right, English, social studies, science. Man, fuck it. Math, yeah. I'm good with that. Right? So Math when, is easy, actually. Yeah, I love math. That was like my favorite topic. Life. Uh, subject. 
Huh? A side subject, I've told these yeah. guys that life is all about math. Yes. Everything you do is math. Every single thing. Um, so, yeah, I just wasn't ready for college, man. Mm-hmm. Mentality, I wasn't there. I think the reason why I chose ANT, which I think is a great university, I chose ANT to be my main focus because all my friends were going there. Right. Which was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That'll lead you down some. Uh... <laughs> and to this day, like, I mean, I just, I, I know that. If I would have t- taken a step back and kind of really kind of figuring out what I really wanted to do in life, mm-hmm. I probably would have never gone to college in the beginning. I Same. probably would have eventually gone to college and probably done things online, probably UNC Charlotte. But, yeah, I was just having way too much fun mm-hmm. at a and What year was this? I graduated high school in 2003. So. Okay, so I'm trying to think. I wouldn't. I don't know what clubs were around then. Oh, I, uh, uh, I was in the clubs then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> heavy. Heavy. Bar Charlotte, have a nice day. Uh what what clubs were in Greensboro at the time? Sidebar, um, um, whole bunch. I can't remember all of them. Honestly, it's such a long time ago. But Inferno was Inferno. Around I believe there? Inferno was there. Green was Green Street around there. Green Street was definitely there. We can never get inside of Green yeah. Street. <laughs> we can Show's never. Packed. We can never get inside of Green Street. Yeah. They, did not, they did not like let us inside, man, at all. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but Greensboro was wild, man. Yeah, it, it was. I spent a lot of time there. That's actually where I lived for like nine years. And the thing is, too, which is, it's a. For me, from my experience, at the time when I went to ANC, that's when they opened up uh, Aggie Suites. So Aggie Suites was at the top of the hill when it comes to the actual strip mm-hmm. of ANC's campus, and was the only actual uh, dormitory that had generators. So anytime we had like big like weather issues, all the lights would go off throughout the entire campus. So Aggie Suites turned into like the Taj Mahal for a lot of people. <laughs> Didn't like Nevy go there or something? Didn't somebody Where? else live there? Nevy went to UNC. No, nah, Nevy went to UNC. Oh, okay. Yeah. So right. when we, uh, I remember storm when we, was at, we had like a huge snowstorm, and everybody's a power went out. Scott Hall, Barbie Hall, Barbie Hall was all girls' dorm. Uh, Scott Hall, everybody's power went out. Well, what happens? Hey, you at your dorm? Y'all got power? Come on through. <laughs> <laughs> Come on through. And Party you, Central. And the thing is, where our uh, dorms were set up, we had the sharing bathroom, mm-hmm. right? So that sharing bathroom, that obviously becomes like the main hub. I ain't going to say too much, but mm-hmm. yeah, becomes the main hub. Allegedly. At, allegedly. <laughs> at 630, <laughs> you know, you, you can't find nobody. Right. Once mm-hmm. you walk in somebody's room, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that it, it was just... I had too much fun, and mm-hmm. you know, shout out to my parents for, you know, taking the chance on me to do that. And I always felt bad, but I've always, you know, done very well now to pay them back for that. Um, but I just wasn't ready. So you only did it for a year. Only for a year. Moved back down to Charlotte, and then uh, went to Central Piedmont. And my uh, my mom told me like, listen, you got to get a job. You ain't got much of a choice. You know, you can stay here for the time being, but you got to get a job. So when I moved down, um, I went to work at what's called Blooms at the time, but it's the old Food Lion. It was still called Food Lion now, but it's on Sugar Creek. And I used to walk to work, and I was a stalker, and I used to work in Boston Market. And worked there for about a year and a half. Left there, went to Quiznos. was a sandwich artist. Oh, snap. Mm, I miss Quiznos. Quiznos. I miss those commercials. Man, God. <laughs> I Are love they not Quiznos. around anymore? Quiz- no, no, not that I know. Of. I haven't I seen any. No, I don't know. Delicious. I love Quiznos. I don't remember yeah, every. I, I was like a big Subway kid growing yeah. up. So, so did that, and then um, my mom had an opportunity for me to work at the bank. So I became a bank teller, 
at, uh, at the time Wachovia, way mm-hmm. before it changed over to Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time when I got the job at um, Wachovia, I had the chance to get my first, technically, my first service industry job. And I was a server at uh, Dave & Buster's at Concord Mills. Mm-hmm. So I did both of those at the same time, along with trying to go to school at Central Piedmont. So, yeah. Were you keeping up with your grades and stuff? Nah. Yeah. I was the same way. Nah. I, I was working. I, I tried the whole community college shit. Nah. I couldn't keep up with both. I was I was so I worked at Auto Bell Car Wash. Work. So I was just so in tune. I was a, I was assistant manager, so I was just so in tune with that. Yep. Working like crazy. Like I was just so good at it that that's where I spent most of my time. Yep. I just stopped giving a fuck about school. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I got to make this money. I don't care about anything else. Yeah. Like this is. I agree. What I need. Yeah. So. When I when I was working at the bank, it kind of opened up my eyes to like how much people are making money, mm-hmm. and then that's the reason why I ended up getting a job at the. Uh, at Dave and Buster's, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, you guys are like servers coming in with like 350 bucks. And mind you, at the time, I'm, oh yeah, I'm 24 years old. Yeah. I'm 23. I'm like, Shh, yeah. I'm making 350 bucks in one night. Mm-hmm. Shit, I'm making 750 every two weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming. Yeah. So got the job at Dave and Buster's, man. I was there for two and a half, almost three years, man. Waiting tables, man. Trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it was a really good experience at the beginning. And then I was like, you know what? I think I'm trying. I think I found my love of what I really want to do for the rest of my life, which was service industry. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely initially my, my transition into what I do now. That's a dope gateway, though. Like, seeing, like being at the bank and seeing what these people are making and, like, yep. damn, I want to do that. Yep. Like, because that's just eye-opening. A lot of people don't ever get that eye-opening experience to see something else. Yep. They're, I feel like a lot of people kind of get stuck within whatever they're doing, and they kind of exchange, like, money for happiness in a way, too. But... Sometimes they ain't even like real like good money. They're just nah. too uncomfortable to move yeah. and shake other places. So Absolutely. that's dope seeing that. So so Dave and Busters and you waited and then what was your next step after that? So I moved from Dave and Busters to working at a restaurant called Woods on South. Okay. Uh which is the old South End Brewery. Technically the building's not even there anymore. So for the people that are listening, where Oku, uh and Daco, that area, mm-hmm. there was a building there. Called South End Brewery for a long time. They have a bunch of glass in the yeah. front. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were DJing there. Yep. Had a drum bass night. Yep. So they, um, the executive chef, his name was Marvin Woods at South End Brewery, and he ended up becoming kind of like a celebrity chef and came, I guess, pseudo famous. Mm-hmm. Um, the original partners of South End Brewery partnered with Marvin Woods, and then they changed it over to Woods on South, mm-hmm. and it became one of the. I'm not gonna say one of the first, but it's definitely one of the best um, black-owned restaurants in the city at that time. And because of his quote-unquote celebrity status, he used to have, like, a lot of people come through that you never would expect. And I believe at the time, Puffy's um, actual personal chef was the executive chef at one point. Um, And then we had, like, Big Daddy Kane. We had a partnership with – they had a partnership with Power 98. Okay. So every artist that came through Power 98, they would always have a dinner at Woods on South. So – I mean, I waited tables for Janet Jackson, Jermaine Dupri, Rick Ross when he first Man. came out. Mm-hmm. Like any artist you could possibly think of that was coming through the city, like in the beginning of their actual career. Right. I actually waited on all those guys at some that's point. That's dope. Because that's like literally what they used to do. So right. it was actually super cool. You yeah. got any asshole stories? Um, no, not really. But I can tell you a good story when okay. uh um I froze when Jermaine Dupri and Janet Jackson were dating. <laughs> and um I love Janet Jackson. And she sat there and I remember walking in so let me take a step back, kind of give you a visualization. When you walk into Woods on South, it's a huge space. Mm-hmm. Wide open to the left is the brewery area where they have the main bar area. And to the right is the dining room. 
well, where the dining room is to the right of the actual dining room, there's a wall that enters into like the private room. So inside the private room was where we would actually put all the actual celebrity guests because they would never walk through the front, they would walk through the side door. So when they walked into the side door, put them in the back room, and we get ready to go in there to rest pill. And we always had two servers working this table. And I begged my guy, my manager at the time, who's actually still in the business, uh, Walter was mm-hmm. one of them, and Chris that you, that still manages uh, Cabo Fish Taco. Those were my two managers at the time. Oh, wow. And uh, I begged them. I said, please let me wait on this table. Please let me wait on this table. So they said, okay, you can do it. And I remember walking in, I saw Janet Jackson. And she said, hey. And I froze. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome. oh damn. I would have too. I froze, bro. I ain't going to lie to you. And she smelled so amazing. Oh, man. Oh, good Lord. And I, honestly, I think people kind of looking at me like, is he going to say anything? Because <laughs> I kind of looked there like, oh, man. Uh, yeah. That was like pretty embarrassing. I had to walk out for a second. Mm. And I was like, let me get my thoughts. She just walked away? Yeah, I had. She went, hey. And you just walked away? Walked away. Walked away. I mean, Janet Jackson, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm young at that time, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm so young. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening right now? So, yeah, that was a cool moment for me. That's dope, though. Yeah, super cool moment. And that was post Super Bowl, Janet Jackson. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever try to follow up with her and you'd be like, yo, sorry, you know? Yeah, yeah. what did she say oh. when you got back? Nah, you know, you know, okay, yeah. buddy. I hit her on the side on DM, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Hey, it's me again. Yeah, uh, I, I know yeah. it was kind of hard back there to use my words, but. I, uh, I truly believe, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, I kind of like walked in and it was like, all right, cool, let me just serve these people so I get the fuck out of here mm-hmm. because I'm so embarrassed. At this point, and I'm like super blushing at the same time. <laughs> she is like the sweetest person, yeah, ever. Like I, I was not say I was surprised, but I like I kind of figured she was gonna be very nice. But holy shit, she was sweet. That's dope. Yeah. So the reason why I asked if you had any asshole stories because I watched like TikToks of people and like servers, like yeah. that serve people in, like in L.A. and like when those celebrities come into the restaurants, like how cool or how yeah. not cool they are. Yeah. And it was actually recently where I was. uh What's his name? James Cor... Cor... Cordon? Yeah, the dude that's yeah. got it. The oh. They say he's like the biggest asshole in the world. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah like, that came up recently. Yeah, like okay. it was a big, big thing. Like apparently he was uh, at a restaurant with like his wife and kid or something. Yeah. And then was yelling at some somebody and people thought he was yelling at his... Uh, at the server, he was yelling at his wife in the middle of the restaurant. That's so embarrassing. Yeah, super embarrassing. Yeah, and people were like, "What the fuck, dude?" Like, but that's not the first time they say that. What like that happened? Like they said, yeah. it happened on multiple occasions. I'm honestly, I can't think of a. I've never had. I've, I mean, I've had asshole interactions, mm-hmm. but never with like true celebrities right. or anybody like of influence. Right. Yeah, me neither. Um, I I'll be honest with you, man. I I live in such a. In mentality now where I'm so nice to the service industry, mm-hmm. I feel bad. Like, to be honest with you, if I tip you 18%, that means you did not do a good job. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's the truth. Yeah. But I will never tip anything under that. Yeah. Right. Like, me tipping 18% is a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm 20, 25 range every single time. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I have yeah. to be. Yeah. So, now I've never had any bad interactions. That's honestly, good. with no celebrities really at all. That's good. It's always with the entourage, the people that they're with. It's always right. with people. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, I hear that a lot too. It's like, yeah, people that are around them feel entitled in a certain yeah. way, Whew. and oh, not yeah. the artists themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I dated a federal agent that had an office above Tilt. Okay, and I broke up with her because she was rude to service industry people. Yeah, I, she I was agree always that. rude to. Serve. She I was great it. in every way. I think, I thought. Yeah, <laughs> but then she'd be rude to people. She'd be rude to service industry people. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That says a lot about her character. 
Yeah. Yep. So I just I'm right there with you. Like, screw it, we're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because people don't. I mean, people. I I've never gotten it. Like people don't have to go out and eat and do things like that. Like, Stay home. Yeah. Cook your own meal. It's as simple as that. Make your own drinks. Like you don't have to. <laughs> you can. Like, you have the access to do all that. Absolutely. Like you don't have to go out and spend and spend money there. Like nobody's asking you to. This is purely an elective. Yes. <laughs> purely. A thousand elective. percent. Stay yeah. home. Yeah, I, I've never understood that. Um, yeah, it just it just always bothers me. Like you said, like somebody like that that just like disrespects people mm-hmm. like in the industry. It's so dumb. Like or not leave a tip for someone. It's ridiculous. That's the, the worst. Screwed up. Yeah. Yep. Come on. Yeah. When it's never their fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm Shit like get that. Get my food for free. Why you ate, <laughs> you ate most of it? All of it. Sometimes <laughs> I tell you, I had a when I my first kind of like waiting job, uh, working at Dave and Buster's. I had a. I remember these guys to this day, man. I had a tabletop of like, I think it might have been eight. And it was a family that came in. They came in, presented this like so sweet. They're so nice. They got the kids with them. It's like two girls, two two women, and like three kids each, right? So I'm thinking like, oh, man, this is going to be a good table. I'm going to get tipped pretty well. Obviously, you know where you price it now. Depending on what they're ordering, you're like, all right, I'll probably get like $5 a head, $10 a head. I'll probably make 40 bucks, 50 bucks off this table. Flip them in within an hour. Good to go. And it's Dave and Buster's. Like, it's nothing crazy. Yeah. So I did everything they asked, asked them from them, like literally everything, over-the-top service, extra condiments on everything, whatever they need, kept the water full, whatever they got. When I say these ladies were ripping their hair out and putting their hair in the food and actually coming back to me and saying that this hair was found in my food. And the reason why I found out they were ripping their hair out is because the actual manager, which I forgot this guy's name, but I wish I remember this guy's name, but he was a vet. He knew, like, if you came to Devin Buster's and you start ringing up a tab, there's a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm so young, I don't even see the difference. Where right? I'm like, oh, I'm about to make so much money off this table. It's whatever, right? So he was like, these, te- these people are kind of ordering a lot. Let me go out there and kind of watch them. And I'm not understanding why he's doing that, right? But he's been working at Devin Buster's at the time, I believe, for like five or six years. Like, he's from, like, the Jillian side of things, mm-hmm. right? So we, sit- we stood there and just kind of watched them from afar. And they're not seeing that we're watching them. And I seen this lady rip her hair out and put it inside the food and put it in like three different dishes. That's what I saw. <laughs> wow. And oh I was, my and I was God. like, holy crap. Like this woman is really trying to get over on us. And I wasn't thinking about that because I'm just being the waiter that I'm hired to be. Mm-hmm. So manager walks over and says, you guys got to go. But before you guys go, you guys got to pay your tab. And if you don't pay your tab, we're going to get legal involved. And we'll call the cops. Because obviously Concord Mills at that time was huge. Mm-hmm. We were like the only mall in the area outside of Carolina Place. North Lake wasn't even in existence. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we're going to call the cops and you guys will get arrested. And we have it on camera. Which I don't even think they had it on camera, but he said Yeah, yeah of course. You yeah. always got to tell yeah. them that. Yeah. For sure. So <laughs> they paid up. You know, yeah. I didn't really get a tip from it. But it was like my first kind of experience. Like, man, people are terrible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, why are you here? You, you came all this way just to do that? If you can, I mean, if you can't afford it, just stay at home. Yeah. Or go get McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Why'd you come to Dave and Bust to do all this just mm-hmm. to just to try to get over on the company? And that's that the like, intent behind all that. Like, yeah, you came wild. you came in there with that in your mind, mm-hmm. and that's what's wild to me. Like, yep, that I, was like my real first experience. I'm and saying, they had okay. kids with them. Yeah, that's even worse. Yeah, because it's absolutely you know some parents will teach their kids to do stupid shit like that. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a gift and a curse within the service industry because. Uh, you, for one, Jamil, you're very similar to me. You're a giver. You yep. love helping people out. You love, you know, seeing a smile and enjoyment mm-hmm. on people's faces. And you get those experiences sometimes. Yep. But then there could be a situation to where you just have multiple 
occurrences with different groups and you just see the ugliest side it's of people. Wild. And it really it really tears at you. You kind of have to, you know, take those those moments with a grain of salt mm-hmm. and then hopefully find some means of realizing that there is good in people and good yep. in man. Because I, I know for myself, working at Sweet for years and years, mm-hmm. uh, it was 2011, 2012, and, you know, those Thursdays are live yep. after 5 mm-hmm. where it's packed from 5 o'clock mm-hmm. until 2 a.m. And yep. people are drinking until 1 a.m., forgetting that they have work the next day. Mm-hmm. But then, like, you look around and you start seeing, oh, man, that guy's that's that, that guy's with that guy's friend yep. or his friend's wife. Yep. They took oh, their rings yeah, off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. I saw oh, that. Oh, the transition happens quick. Oh, yeah. Happens quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for myself – I ended up taking a 20-day trip to Thailand. Wow. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I didn't realize I needed it. I remember that. You know, I was so jaded at the time. Like, you know, man, people are awful. Everybody sucks. You know, if you're not friends with me or you're not in my tight circle, you've got to be an awful person. Yep. But I had to have that trip to be around people, the people of Thailand, to show me that, you know, there are people in this world mm-hmm. That will give you the shirt off their back, even if they don't have a shirt mm-hmm. off their back. They'll Absolutely. find a shirt. Yeah. Need to go to Thailand to see this. <laughs> yeah, but um, That's the shrimp boat, so. the, 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 <laughs> he probably could went to Texas, but hey, yeah. you know, Thailand, yeah, Texas. I, went, you know. I had to go to Greensboro real quick. <laughs> <laughs> but that experience itself, you know, when I came back home um, later that year, I even volunteered for a Farm Aid concert out in Kansas, um, and got to meet some, you know, just people that just some great-hearted people. Yep. And I was like, you know what? Everybody isn't bad. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the truth, man. But I, it su- it sucks having to see situations it like does. that. But it does. But it, you know, it, it's a reality check. You mm-hmm. know, it, it builds you as a person and, it, you know, you, you kind of learn how to maneuver and read situations, yep. you know, within friendships, business, mm-hmm. and all the above going forward. It definitely creates, it created a, uh, a mentality of understanding that I didn't know everything at the moment. Which is like more or less ego driven, mm-hmm. but then when those sidetrack things happen to you, it's kind of like, all right, cool. You got to reset. You got to kind of think about you know where you are, or what you're doing, because it's if I if I didn't have those kind of experiences, especially throughout my time working behind the bar and now working kind of like with bars mm-hmm. and in front of the bars, it wouldn't put me in the position where I am currently of having that optimistic perspective of saying of kind of like reading the room and kind of seeing where I'm at, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, that definitely has helped out a lot. So I'm right there with you, bro. Cool, cool. So you went from server to bartender? I actually technically I went from server to security guard. Okay. <laughs> it's technically. Okay. Where'd you where'd you So I uh that's where I met this uh handsome young brother. Uh I worked at Whiskey River when they first opened okay. up. So um I working at the bank. Uh I was a bank teller, so kind of back up a little bit. At the time at Wachovia they had this Role called a floating bank teller. So the floating bank teller literally would just go from location to location mm-hmm. to location and, and literally would backfill. Mm-hmm. Whatever spots was open, you'll get a call from your recruiter that morning like, you got to go to Arrowwood Road or you got to go to Kenilworth Avenue. And they would just say, stay there until I tell you to move, literally. So I did that for four years. Excuse me. Did it for four years and then eventually I asked them, can I get a fixed spot uptown? Mm-hmm. And for some odd reason, I just wanted to be the guy that said I work uptown. So, yeah. I, I thought that was everybody at the time, yeah, though. Yeah, for sure. So, I worked at 301 South Tryon and ended up getting fixed at 301 South Tryon at the corporate headquarters in the in the, in the, uh, in the teller line. Mm-hmm. So, I became really good when it comes to working with customers, kind of managing, managing money, managing budgets, doing transactions, so on and so forth. 
all the retention work that you need to do when it comes to making sure the vault was set and all that, they put me in the business banking line where I really wanted to be because I was trying to beat the guys that were uptown doing things. Mm -hmm. So when I got into the business banking line, BMG didn't even know who those guys are, bar manager group. Um, they only had Dixie's Tavern at the time, I believe, and then the epicenter was on its way to opening. And I was still in school, which is kind of crazy to say that my old professor from my engineering department actually took us to the epicenter to do a tour in the middle of the construction, right? Okay. So um, eventually when the epicenter opened up, the first spot that I believe that opened up was Whiskey River. Yep. Um, a guy by the name of Eric Flanagan, uh, Eric Flanagan, who is the owner of Sugar Creek Brewing Company, one of the owners of Sugar Creek Brewing Company, an amazing guy. He, at the time, was just one of the managers at Whiskey River, and he was doing a deposit at Whiskey River. So I met him while I was doing his deposit and trying to ask inquisitive questions, but didn't realize what bar he worked at. And he was like, I work at Whiskey River. I'm like, oh, word, that's the new bar inside the epicenter, right? It's like, yeah, you come check us out sometime. I'm like, cool, definitely will. Not even thinking about it. Then Woods on South closed down um, at the time when I was at 301 South Tryon. When it closed down, we all was like, shit, we all need a job. Mm -hmm. And at the time, working at the bank, I was only making literally $725 every two weeks. I will never forget that number. Every two weeks, $725. And I was when I was working at Woods, I might have been making an additional $500, $600 a week. So yeah. pretty good money for yeah. me at the time. Yeah, for real. So I'm like, I got to find something. Another guy by the name of T-Hawk mm -hmm. came into yep. the bank. <laughs> so T-Hawk comes in. He's doing the same thing, doing a deposit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask this guy, can I get a job? I don't even know what I want to do. But can I, are you guys hiring, right? Because at the time, I was going to go work at Dilworth Neighborhood Grill because they had a relationship with the guys from Woods on South. But I didn't want to work over there because the same people that was working at Woods on South was over there. I'm like, I just want to do something different. Yeah. So actually, he for a job. He said, come in and interview. And I'm like, okay, cool. Don't even know what I'm interviewing for, but I'm coming in and interview. So he said, hey, when I came in for the interview, he said, you want to be a GW? I'm like, what is that? Goodwill Ambassador. I'm like, is that security, I'm assuming? He's like, yeah, that's security. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool, I'll do that. And he said, do you know Kung Fu? I was like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I getting myself into? Right. <laughs> he was like, if anyone asks you that, tell them that you do. I'm like, okay, you got the job. I'm like, oh, shit, that's all I needed to do? <laughs> it's like, when do I start? He's like, you start Tuesday. Come, start next week on Tuesday, come in on Monday, to go come get your uniform, sign your paperwork, and we'll put you to work. Cool. So, come in on Monday, grab my orange, ugly-ass shirt. Uh-huh. And they told me the dress code. I had my jeans on and all that kind of shit. And they put me where they put every GW that first starts, at the fucking bathroom, mm. near the office. And I stood there for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Checking people's, checking people's wristbands, make sure they had X's on or mm -hmm. a, uh, a wristband on, and making sure they weren't taking the drinks inside the bathroom. Yeah, that was college night. Yep. Ah. Yep. That was my first security job, and I stood there the entire time. I was so fucking tired. I've never worked so hard at the time at night. And then I was thinking, like, okay, it's over. I just got to go do this and then go home. No. You got to take the trash Clean out. Clean up, yeah. And you got to take the trash downstairs, the elevator. And you got to put the trash away. Mm -hmm. And then you got to sweep. And then you got to mop. And then you got to clean the bathrooms. So I didn't get home until 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. But then I had to be at the bank at 8.30 in the morning. So I woke up at the time. <laughs> this is my first, my first uh, place with my brother at the time. I woke up and I didn't even take a shower when I got home because I was so tired. 
but then I realized bar juice was all down my arm. Ooh. So I woke up with bar juice <clears throat> on my arm and on my head, and I was like, what the fuck is that smell? <laughs> it's bar juice. Yeah. So that was my introduction to working at the club, and then after that, it was a wrap. Wow. Were, you, were you working the night that um, uh, Ish threw the guy through the uh, yeah. stall in the bathroom? Yep, I was. Cool. I was there. <laughs> we we just okay. talked about that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got some stories. Boy. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I got some stories about Whiskey River, man. <laughs> Holy shit, that place was crazy, man. Um, so I, I would say at the time, this is when CIAA first hit um, Charlotte when mm-hmm. they left Raleigh, right? So I'm familiar with CIAA, but I've never really actually had the chance to attend CIAA on a personal level. You know what I mean? So when I actually had a chance to work CIAA, I didn't think about how much money you were supposed to make. I'm not thinking that CIAA is this big. Mm-hmm. So I'm working the door, and it's me and my good friend Damian Maxey. And at the time when you worked the door for CIAA, they had one person facing out and the one person facing in. The one person facing in was to make sure that no one walked through this way, and the one person facing out was to make sure no one got through this way unless they paid. Right? So we're standing like this at the time. And then this is before... Um, this is when they did the party where they actually fused Whiskey River and Sweet together, right? Yep. So everybody had to come through Whiskey River to go to both Whiskey and Sweet. Mm-hmm. The uh- line at the time was all the way down to where Jason's Deli is. The line was insane. This guy comes to the front. He has his iced out Virginia chain on, right? He's like, he goes to Frank, and he says, "Yo, how much it cost to get? How much it was going to cost to get get us all in?" Frank looks at him and says, you don't want to know that number. Get him back in the line. He looks at me. He's like, fam, what's up, bro? I'm like, listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the listen, guy. Listen, I just work here. You got to talk to this guy. Yeah. He's, he got the money, right? He was like, how much are you willing to pay? He's like, for real. I 200 ahead. Cool. How many people you got with you? 10. And I'm sitting here hearing this number. And mind you, at that time, I'm not used to the club life. Mm-hmm. I'm used to working at restaurants. I've never worked really in the clubs. I did a little help on promotional side when it comes to like Adolph Shiver with my cousin Jay handing out flyers at night to, to make 50 bucks a, a parking lot. Like I, that was the most I knew about clubs at that point, right? So he said, 200 ahead, 10 people. It's $2,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. He pulls out a lot of money, counts out two grand, gives it to Frank, and then he tries to get in 12 people. Frank said, no, you said 10, you owe me $400 more. He's like, for real? He's like, yeah, for yeah. real. <laughs> $400, gave it to Frank, and they walked their asses in. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Why don't they just get a section at that mm-hmm. point? Well, because the thing is, at the time, all the sections were sold, sold out. Sold out, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I say, like, he un- he understands, Courtney understands. Yeah. Whiskey and Sweet at that time were, listen, bro, it was insanity doing CIAA, right? Oh, yeah. I would make $20,000 a week. Oh, dude. <coughs> it was crazy, man. CIAA week, so much. Incredible. Yeah, yeah people would be lined up hours and hours, hours. Before, before it would open. Hours. Just to get in. For real. It's But they were bringing through like a lot of celebrities and shit, too. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But I mean, that was naturally the draw, but all the promoters, for the most part, were out of town. Mm-hmm. They weren't from the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they always, like, Kenny was super cool. Yep. Love Kenny. You know, so at the time, Frank looks at his hat at his, uh, his bag, and I think he had like fifty to sixty thousand dollars in cash on him. He was like, "Take me to the back." Now, so me and Damien got our flashlights, flashlight security, and rushed him to the back. 
And I was like, man, I'm this, surprised. Is, this is crazy. I'm surprised no belly shit went down. Nah, I, I don't. More often. I don't think it was, to be honest with you, the, the, the notion behind CIAA is one of the most beautiful things. Like, I think people have the misconception that when CIAA comes in, it's, it's not about, like, the violence just happened to happen. I mean, you, once you get a whole bunch of people in the oh, same yeah. area, it's going to happen. Yeah, but percentages. The, yeah, but the celebratory behind Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association celebrating HBCUs, it was, the, it was the most amazing thing to see all these alumni and student bodies and celebrities just come in and just hang out. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. when I ended up transitioning over to bar, to bar back and the bartending, doing CIAA, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a weird thing just to be at the bar and see, like, a random group of celebrities just, like, hanging out at the bar yeah. that actually paid to get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't even call the promoter or didn't do – and weren't even there for an appearance. Like, I remember when Gucci Man came through to Whiskey River and was sitting at the bar ordering shots for all him, him and all his people, and he wasn't on the ticket at all. He was just there hanging out. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a weird thing. Like CIAA was crazy. Well, I love CIAA. Well, oh, yeah. I'm saying it isn't the violence. I'm saying the amount of money that came in the show oh, at that sure. time and was like loose money. I'm surprised no like Ocean's Eleven type shit happened. Oh nah, <laughs> nah like, it was crazy. These I would see people with like crazy amounts of money. Oh like yeah, for said. sure. And I would yeah. make twenty thousand dollars easily on, on, on less that whole weekend. CIAA is amazing, man. Yeah, that was my time before CIAA. I was in Greensboro, so I was. Anti homecoming. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's crazy. Jiho. They call it the greatest homecoming on earth. Actually, I mean, the, the biggest artist that I remember them bringing through during my time there was Drake. Mm. They brought him there. He did the Coliseum. I don't know if it sold out, but I'm sure it came close. But this year they got a little baby and it's just sold out. Quick. It's, it's just Saturday. Yep. And the Coliseum is sold out. Yeah. And that's probably, for concerts, that's probably like 16,000 yeah. or so. But I was like, I haven't heard of like the homecoming concert selling out since I went, when I lived yeah. in Greensboro. That wasn't a thing. Nobody sold it out because when you they had like two chains, Jeezy, mm-hmm. uh, they were on the same bill. Like that was pretty crazy. Nowhere near selling out. But yeah. Lil Baby's so big right now, he sold out the Coliseum. I mean, he came up with the, crazy. with the new album, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I love you, Hill. And they're and they're like his openers aren't even that crazy. It's like Nardo Wick's one of them, mm. Chloe. And then Glorilla, but she's only got that one song, so it's like... Is that the girl you think I'm feeling you? Uh, Who? I don't know which one. Glorilla is yeah. a F and F. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so it's like, you know, he brought that draw there. But yeah, I remember I, when I was living in Greensboro, too, I would drive for Uber. Yep. And I drove one night, and I could just look down Elm Street, and the streets are just... Flooded. Both sides. Yeah. All, as far as you can see. It's a vibe, man. people. And people pay for parties, and they ain't gonna have celebrities there, and yeah. they'll be paying a hundred, hundred bucks a head to get in. One thousand percent. Yeah, when people are the vibe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. That's Greensboro, man. Yeah. So that shit was dope. That was like my experience with those types of parties before I moved to Charlotte and yep. then CIAA was here. Yep. And I saw that shit, and then All Star Weekend. Yeah. That, that was, was crazy. That was a crazy time for me. Mm-hmm. That was that was the that was probably the uh, I'll probably say the second biggest moment in my career for sure. Okay. Yeah. What was first? So um, when I got into the spirits industry, mm-hmm. selling spirits, mm-hmm. uh, so we ended up launching a brand called Duce. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when they first hit North Carolina. And when they first hit North Carolina, um, at the time, I was the on-premise rep for a company called RNDC. Um, so I represented uh, Brown Foreman, who owns Jack Daniels, Wolf of Reserve, Old Forrester, Bacardi USA, who owns Bacardi. Do say we'll partner with Do say Grey Goose, a couple other different brands. I sold a lot of brands, 
But at the time, I was the multicultural rep. And being the multicultural rep for North Carolina, I would travel between Charlotte, Greensboro, Winston, Fayetteville, and Raleigh, and Durham were my main territories. So when we launched Duce in the market, uh, the Magna Carta tour happened. Mm -hmm. When the Magna Carta tour happened, the initial email that we received was that he was only going to go to four to five markets to do an after party. And there were going to be eight markets. So it was Vegas, Atlanta, Philly, obviously New York, and I believe it might have been Texas. I believe what were the only five markets he was going to go to. So I don't know if I had anything to contribute to it, but I know other markets actually said the same thing. They're like, well, if he's going to have a tour here, and we got Duce now. Why don't we all get the chance to host an after party? Mm -hmm. So they opened up the opportunity for everyone to host an after party. But there were certain stipulations to be able to do that. You had to buy X amount of cases to be able to do that. And you had to pay him his presenter fee, mm -hmm. which you get at a discounted rate if you actually oblige to this. So there's a guy that at the time named Brian Axelrod, who uh, I don't know if he's still Conor, McGregor, Conor McGregor's partner on Proper 12, but he was over – uh, Rock Nation side for Doucet. And he was the guy really pushing the narrative for that. And we did the after party here in Charlotte at the time, what was called Label. Now it's called World. Mm -hmm. We did that We did that there. And then we also did it in, in Greensboro. And I think the place was called uh, Buchanan's. There's a really big uh, Mexican restaurant that's in uh, Buchanan's. I want to say that Buchanan's. Oh, Buchanan's, yeah. It's yes. off West Market. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we did it there. Mm, right. that's, that holds like 2,000 people. Yes, insanely mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. So it was it was super dope because the fact they actually gave me like tickets to go to the show. I got a chance to see in the uh, friends and family section where everyone stood up and they had their own isolated Ducey bar. I'm standing next to Tata and like all the people from JC's camp. Like I don't know none of these guys, but I'm just standing there like, holy shit, mm -hmm. like, this, this is dope. Um, so when I actually had the chance to go to the show in Greensboro, I actually gave my tickets – uh, to a, one of my co-workers at the time Before she passed away a long time ago Her name was Allie And I actually gave it to her to take her and her friends Because I'm like I already mentioned the show And then I told Brian that I gave my tickets away He was like how many more do you need I'm like oh I don't need He's like oh you gonna give me more tickets to go to the show Shit I'll go hell yeah <laughs> So I took Quincy Jones with me I took CW a whole bunch of people came with me And um, that's the I don't know if everybody remembers the uh, The video of the kid that was on stage singing. Um, what song was that for Jay? Can't remember the name of the I song. I think I was at this. I think I was at this show. So was, he was, was was Timbaland his DJ? No, I don't think he was at the time. Tim, Timbaland opened up in Charlotte the night that before. Yep. So that is true. Possibly. Possibly. Because okay, I remember he had like at, for the one. I'm trying to think of which one it was. Because he had like the the stage was like big and people were like on levels. Yes, that's it. Okay, Actually, yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, because Timbal Timbaland was his DJ. Because I remember him yep. like saying it at some point in the show. He was like deep in the show and he was like, "Yeah, we got Timbaland." I'm like, "Yep." The fuck Didn't now? You, now you just gonna say this shit yep. like halfway through your show? And like, that makes it that much doper. Yep. Like he bought the kid from the audience to yeah, sing. I can't remember what song the kid did though. You uh, you're not fuck with my click. That's what. Okay, it was. yeah, yeah, yeah. That song right there. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. it was that concert. So. We're at the show, and um, prior to each activation, there is a setup time. So you have to go there, make sure the bars are good, make sure you get all the proper POS, make sure everything is pretty much set prior to the Magna Carta people coming in, right? Especially before Jay get there, mm -hmm. right? So there was a lot of pressure on me to make sure I performed. So in Charlotte, flawless. Brandon Rude, who was the manager at the time, amazing to work with. 
It was one of the best shows ever, best at the parties. I mean, it was packed. It was. I had fun. Yes, you did. That, that's actually the most. That's the, that I was the fun. most cognac I've drank in one yeah. night because I'm not a cognac drinker. Yep. <laughs> yep, he came with me for the Charlotte show. But yes, I, sir, I had fun because they paid me for it. Yes, it did. <laughs> Damn right. As long as I keep getting sponsorship. Um, so when we went to Greensboro, I guess everything kind of just went downhill at the at the spot. Right? So who uh, was uh, Travis? I can't remember honestly. White dude, Mm-mm. big white dude. Nah, I don't, he might have been there. Okay, I can't remember because exactly. that was a dude. I think he owned. He might have owned Bucanas at the time. Okay. Uh maybe it was somewhere around there because he owned um, the, one of the first spots I DJ that it was Bar One Eighty. Then it turned into Sandy Bottoms too because he owned the original Sandy Bottoms, which uh, was on Spring Garden. Gotcha. Um, I don't. Yeah, think, I, I don't think he was there. I know he had his hand in Bucanas at okay. some point, but. probably. But I know that it was just. Something went, something went bad. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what. But Brian X. Raw called me while I'm at the concert and says, you need to get your ass down here and figure this shit the fuck out. And I'm nervous as hell. I'm scared. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, I thought I did everything prior to coming to the show so I can kind of like sit back and enjoy myself, mm-hmm. right? So get to the, get to the uh, venue and nothing, is, nothing has happened the way I told them to make it happen, right? Can't really go to too much details, but long story short, it didn't really go as well. I'm upset because I'm embarrassed. So I'm like, listen, I'm taking over, and I'm going to make sure this is going to be a flawless victory. Pretty much I became the manager that night. So I'm running girls back and forth to tables, making sure product is getting out, make sure the cocktails are served correctly. I thought I did all this training prior to me going. Long story short, I'm running my ass off. Mm-hmm. Then Brian is texting me. We need two bottles of Grey Goose to the table. We need three bottles of Douce. We need this and this and this. I'm like, cool, I got you. Girls, go now. Let's get it, right? Last text Brian sends to me, he says, hey, come to the table. And I'm thinking something's wrong again. So I go to the table. And when I go to the table, he looks at me. And if you remember how uh, at Bukana's, the tables were elevated. Yeah. Had to step were, up yep, to it. Mm-hmm. And the couches were against the wall. Mm-hmm. So Jay-Z's security guard at the time, I don't know if it's the same guy, but he's a huge German-looking cat, right? Biggest dude I've ever seen. He's standing right there and right next to Brian Axelrod. So I know Jay-Z is in the vicinity. Brian Axelrod looks at me, says, come to the table. He gives me a drink and says, you okay? I'm like, I'm good. So I take a seat. I'm like, okay. Now I'm thinking, like, I, does he need something from me? Or do I, like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm kind of confused. So I take a seat on the couch, and I'm just sitting there. And he turns his back to me and walks away. So I'm like, still don't know what's happening. And all of a sudden... Someone puts a hand on my shoulder, and I look to my right, and it's Jay-Z. And he says, heard you be doing good work for me, young man. I'm like, yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have. He said, Jamil, right? I'm like, this motherfucker knows my name. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then me being nervous, I'm like, pleasure to meet you, Mr. Carter. He said, you too, man. And I got up, and I just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, hey, that's point, an improvement from Janet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, least, at least I interacted. Yes. At least I said something. Yeah. You know? But at that point, you don't want to like say the wrong thing. So yeah. that's just like you just kind of just. I right, cool. I'm gonna play it cool, man. Yeah. You yep. know what I'm saying? Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Carter. I got up and I walked away. That's and, so dope. And then Brian looked at me and said, "You all right?" I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> I am <laughs> <good>. now." <laughs> and I walked back to the area where everyone else was standing at by the bar, uh-huh. and they were like, "You good? Everything fine?" I'm like, "Yeah, I just met Jay Z." <laughs> and he knew my name. And he knew my name. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I'm good. <laughs> so that was like that was pretty cool. Like I was that's like, sick. That's all sick. that work that I, I put in was was worth it at that moment. That's dope. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yep. So so you say your second biggest was All Star then All Star Weekend. Yeah. So uh, All Star Weekend uh, coming to Charlotte was a really big deal because at the time a company called Brown Foreman um, had a relationship with the NBA and they were doing all this programming. And this was my first, like, I've always managed budgets and I'll, had a chance to create programming. And I've done that throughout my entire career, but I've never had a responsibility of this magnitude to really assist in the process of actually seeing exactly how this actual operation works. So I was really intricate when it comes to just being a part of the conversation for Remy Quantra activations, Brown Foreman activations, seeing how big the sponsorships were, how much money we were spending, how much interceptions we had, going down to the, to the literally to the biggest details of, Hey Jamil, we're gonna put this train wrap on the catch trains and also on the bus, and they're gonna run from this time frame. Can you make sure that you take pictures? This is gonna cost us X amount of money. Hey Jamil, we're gonna be running this actual text to win program. Can you put these posters up in the accounts four four weeks in advance and get interception pictures and push it when it comes to trade members? Like, hey Jamil, we wanna host these different after parties when it comes to Jack Daniels programming and do this whole house of Jack. Activation that's going to consist of making, I mean, spending like $1.2 million kind of scenario. Can you help us do this? Like, I'm like, I'm not the one making the calls, but I'm always a part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So it was actually really, really cool. And actually getting the chance to see this. And I got the chance to really go to a lot of, like, different elite activations. I got a chance to go to the Dreamville um, brunch that it How that was that shit? It was actually pretty crazy, man. <laughs> I'm a huge, now you're speaking my language, yeah. I'm a massive J. Cole fan. Word. Yeah. I'm all about, like, that's just, I gotta, I mean, Dreamville Fest, every, yeah. I'm into both. Massive. He's got J. Cole underwear. Underwear. <laughs> Literally, his face is on my, I dig yeah. it. I dig nah, it. Nah, but wow. yeah, Dreamville shit's, yeah. I don't know about that, man. That's a bit, yeah. that was a bit much there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. I help those guys when it comes to, uh, Finding the location for the uh, pop-up they did mm -hmm. when it comes to all the merch they were selling during uh, All-Star Weekend. Okay. So I helped them navigate that piece. Got you. Um, Where'd they end up doing it at? It was at Caleb's location. Um, the guy from Enemy of Fashion. Is that his name? It was yes. Over, it was over there by the UNC, UNC Charlotte building that's uptown. Okay. Right over there off of... Uh, Sorry, by Spectrum, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, it was like a little small building right across the street. Okay, yeah. That's where they end up doing it. Got you. Yeah. So... Helped them navigate that. Went to their brunch that they had at Merchant and Trade. Mm -hmm. Not Merchant and Trade. I'm Fahrenheit. Sorry, Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Fahrenheit. Um, <clears throat> went to the All-Star Game. Went to the uh, the dunk contest. Got a chance to actually get tick. Cool thing is, I guess you got a chance from Brown Foreman to – they got a suite for the All-Star Game and then had tickets to go down to the floor to actually watch the All-Star Game too. So we actually – me and my coworker, Sherman – Went down to the floor area for J. Cole's halftime show That's at the All-Star game. So we actually stayed in the suite the entire time, but we actually had a chance to do that. So it, w it was just it was really cool to kind of like really get a good experience of mm -hmm. like seeing what happens in like aid markets all the time. Because mm -hmm. we obviously didn't get anything like that in North Carolina at the right. time. So that was actually, it was pretty sick. Yeah. The cool yeah. thing about that uh, J. Cole shit too is he said that he only wanted his fans out there like yep. all the people that were around were his fans because yep. he said that's who I want yep. with me during this show. I don't want people just sitting there looking at me not knowing the words to my songs yep. we're on this big stage right now like this is North Carolina like Absolutely. we need to make sure that we look good on the biggest stage there is in the NBA yeah those guys do a good job man yeah they're 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 an interesting group of guys that they kind of they, I mean I haven't worked with any other 
uh, I guess, entertainment group. Mm-hmm. Um, but those guys definitely get it. Like, yeah. they get to get it for sure. So, Did you go to the show after? Oh, uh, the one that was at Fillmore? the... Uh, yep. I went there late. So, for actually, sure. I still have my... My shirt when they were doing this, the the uh, patches on everyone mm-hmm. that you can get. Yeah, we get there. I want to say thirty minutes into the show ending. Okay. And I think we were one of the last ones to get like one of the Dreamville T-shirts, and That's I still have my Red D pulse on the actual uh, <laughs> on on the side on the right side of the actual shirt itself. So. That's dope because they said people were just like shouting out songs and he was just performing. Oh, them. dude, it's. It was honestly, you could tell it was just like, man, let's just go up here and have fun. Yeah, yeah. That's all it was. That's what it he's was about. Yeah, it and was I, super dope. And I want to back up and give a shout out to Caleb that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, he actually designed the owl. Oh, really? Yes. Caleb's a badass, man. Yes. Caleb's a true badass. I like that guy a lot, man. He's yes. super cool. Yeah. I but, like him a lot. But I mean, as far as activation, so outside of that, man, you had the years of arts, beats, and lyrics. You've yeah. done some amazing activations A-B-N-L. and. Some you know big names that you know mm-hmm. you brought into different markets. Yep. You know what? What's probably one or two of the ones that kind of stand out aside from the ones that you mentioned? Is well, hold up. Yeah, let me ask you how you what what does your job entail? How did you get in the position to do these things? Yeah, these guys might know. Our listeners don't know. True, and I definitely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like who I, are like, who are you? So what I do now currently? What I do now? I am the on-premise manager for a company called Enthuse Marketing. So we are the marketing arm that's attached to Diageo. So Diageo is the number one spirits company in the world. And I control on-premise business um, for the marketing side of things for North Carolina and Virginia. Um, I have a team of six to seven people that work under me at the con- at the current moment. The way I got into the business is I was working at uh, uh, Whiskey River and I was there for almost five years. And I got to a point where I was trying to find a way to fuse the corporate side of things along with my passion for service industry. So um, a gentleman by the name of Mike Sinti, who no longer is in the business anymore, but he was coming into Whiskey River a lot, and Whiskey River was a great account for those guys. I didn't understand exactly what a liquor rep did, right? I just knew they came in and dropped stuff off. That's to the extent of my knowledge. Um, I met Derek Spellman at the time when he was dropping Mm -hmm. off stuff for Diageo. Didn't know anything about that, honestly. So um, at the time, they were hiring for a multicultural ambassador, and the guy that was actually in that position before him, his name was Brian Green, who happens to be one of my mentors still to this day. And they were looking for someone to backfill his old position because he ended up getting a promotion to move to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I guess Mike Cincy and some of the guys from the company was going around asking who will be a good candidate. And I believe at the time it was between me and him at the time. And he had the chance, Courtney, when I say him, Courtney, Courtney had the chance to uh, move down to Jacksonville, Florida, if I'm not mistaken. And when he moved down to Jacksonville, Florida, he kind of obviously put himself out the running because uh, he took it on, on another opportunity. So I didn't realize this was even a conversation about me at the moment. And I was working on Wednesday nights bartending. It was the only night I would, they would allow me to bartend at Whiskey River. So I was bartending on a Wednesday night, and then Mike Sinti came in with a couple guys from R&DC, which is the – the uh, distributor company that he worked for, and they were just kicking the shit with me, not really realizing what they're doing <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so they're just talking to me, asking me questions, and, you know, hey, they tip good, and they all, all of them order Jack Daniels. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, these guys are cool. They said they work for Jack. I'm like, what does that mean? How do you work for Jack Daniels? Give me his card. Cool. Talk to Eric Flanagan, 
Another shameless shout out to my man. Eric Flanagan, I told him about the opportunity. So Eric said, hey, listen, they're actually hosting their holiday party here coming up in a couple of weeks. What you're going to do is you're going to come to work and then you're going to take time off to go entertain yourself with those guys. And then you're going to come back to work. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Did so, he know? Did he know what was going yeah, on? Yeah, because he was one of the managers. So he actually knew the ins and outs of like how that operation worked. I didn't know anything about it at the time. So uh, went over there and I got a chance to meet Lauren Wynn for the first time. Uh, met Michael Yates for the first time. Uh, met a, a lot of the executives from the spirit companies like Keith Worlery that works for Brown Foreman. Uh, Matthew Osman, who was all-premise all manager. Like, I met all these guys. And long story short, they eventually start hiring for the position. When they started hiring for the position, it was like a five-month hiring period. Like, it was a long time. Um, and I eventually ended up getting the job because uh, Mike Cincy actually went to bat for me. Uh, shout out to Mike Yates. He didn't really want to hire me at the time. He wanted to hire someone else because he thought I was just the banker that happened to work at a bar versus me being the bar guy that happens to be a banker, mm -hmm. which is the complete opposite, right? So they eventually put me on board, and, you know, it was curtains from there, man. I, I learned a lot very, very quickly, and uh, um, it's been the most it, – it's been the best decision I've ever made for sure, Um and was with um, those guys for six years uh, and had, wore several different hats working for those guys. So, Okay. Now to your question. Yes. <laughs> and I must say, one of, the, one of the best in the business, Thank hands you, down. I, I try my best, you know, man. Before you, before you jumped into the business, you said that you just saw, you know, liquor reps showing up, dropping stuff off. Yeah. Some of them, you know, that's what they do for the most part. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, we'll it <laughs> but, at um, yeah, back you to my question. Um, you know, ABL Arts Beats and Lyrics, yep. uh, that was with the Jack brand, mm -hmm. um, and some of the other activations. What is one of the the other cool experiences outside of the, mm -hmm. the Dreamville and, yep. and All-Star Weekend that actually sticks out, whether it's a performance or an mm -hmm. entertainer that came in or? Yeah. I got, I, I would say two. One of them is, um, so when we did Arts Beats and Lyrics, the first year we did it, and to go back, Arts Music Lyrics is a huge platform that started in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with a guy by the name of Jabari. And Jabari is one of the most intelligent, creative guys you ever met. But he created this platform in Atlanta, and then it ended up getting picked up by Brown Foreman as a partnership. And then they end up taking that actual program nationally. So they go to other markets. They go to Philly, Miami, New York, Chicago, all these other places. And essentially what, it's, what it is, it's – a activation where you have to uh, pre-register for the activation. It's 100% free to attend. Brown Forman supports it. And with your pre-registration, you're able to get two free cocktails to, once you get to the activation. And there's a very big encompassing of like just art and visualization and all that kind of good stuff. And it was, at that time, forever evolving. So when it eventually came back to North Carolina, um, the first year we did it, we only had about 850 pre-registrations. The second year we did it, we ended up having like 1,900 pre-registrations. So we doubled very, very quickly. And for our marketing platform, we utilize local um, promoters to help market it out. So King Entertainment, um, uh, Blue Goose Entertainment, Mike Kitchens, Edutainment. So we use those guys to help push the narrative of what's happening. Um, so our second year for uh, Arts, Peace, and Lyrics, we ended up having Scarface. And I thought that was like super, super cool. 
And my involvement when it comes to RCBC and lyrics was was to one, find the location, to help secure programming at the locations when it comes to the bar and training them and, and all that kind of good stuff. And three, select the artists that I think would be good for this market. And they already had a, a list of artists they already had contracts with. So I just go and I say, I think that'll be a good one. Nah, I don't know about that one. I think that'll be a good one. So we ended up getting Scarface. And Scarface was like super cool. And we actually low-key had a chance to kind of like sit in the back. I don't even know how I really got back there at the time. I was just so busy running around. But I ended up getting like stuck like in the back. And I was actually talking one-on-one with Scarface. And we just were talking about like just being black and just like the entertainment business and just like life in general. And it was like a 15 long, 15 minute long conversation. I was like, man, this guy's, yeah, this is, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. He came, he performed, people loved it. They went nuts. After that, he came to the back again. He said, Hey, will you guys going afterwards? He came, met us, met us for like a drink or two. And then he went home and I was like, fuck, Scarface of all people. Mm-hmm. Like he did that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this that was the like, first year or second year? This is the second year. Okay, okay. The second year. And it was just, I don't know, that was that was actually a pretty cool moment to see like someone kind of like just kind of like take the hat down a little bit. But he's obviously been doing this for so long at that time, it's really nothing big for him. Right. So it was like, it's whatever, you know? So that was actually pretty cool. Um, I think the second interaction, we had um, Kate Michelle. Mm-hmm. So Kate Michelle at the time was the actual first black female to be endorsed by Jack Daniels. And she loved Jack Daniels Honey. And she's from Tennessee. So she really went above and beyond when it comes to her interaction with Jack Daniels Honey. And this is doing CIAA, I believe, the first year. And no, first year of me being with the company, not first year of CIAA. Um, but she actually did this whole huge concert at the Fillmore and actually hired a pastry chef from her home market to do this whole Jack Daniels Honey pastry line. Didn't really understand exactly what was happening, but she rolled out, we, like the whole Brown Foreman team was in town along with the distributor team with R&DC, and we're all back there, and all of a sudden she rolls out this cart that all been infused with different Jack Daniels, like different uh, uh, pastries infused mm-hmm. with Jack Daniels honey, let me say it correctly. And it was just like a super duper interaction. And she was super cool, like very sweet person, and this is the reason why it was actually pretty interesting to me, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because as cool as she was, you've been to the back of the Fillmore. You've sat in the green room before. There's the green room, and then there's other rooms inside the green room. She was in the other room in the green room, right? As I'm sitting down, yet again, my nervousness. As I'm sitting down, (laughs) there's a space next to me, and no one is sitting next to me at the time. Guess who walks in the door of all people? Janet Jackson. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Trina. Oh, Ooh. shit. The baddest bitch. Trina walks in. And what Trina, was she wearing? Oh, I don't even know. I blacked out. <laughs> so Trina walks in, and she walks in with her security guard. She was having a show next door, um, and I forgot what that was called at the time. But it's where the underground is now? Yes. Okay. So she was having a, a show next door. So she came over to show love to, to Kate Michelle, and she comes in, and she sees the seat next to me, and she says, are you? And was sitting. I said, "You are." <laughs> You're getting oh, better. yeah. So I said, we went yeah, from oh, yeah. to my confidence one line to okay. Now you are I'm, not bad. That's I'm a pretty, lot of confidence. I'm pretty. I'm pretty good at this point, right? Yeah. So she sits there, and I'm like, "Man, she smells amazing." 
And again, another very, very sweet person as well. And it was just a really cool interaction to have with them. And K. Michelle actually took a picture with all of us and posted on her Instagram at the time. So um, my family members, some of my family members that follow K. Michelle, they sent it to me like, did you take a picture with K. Michelle? What do you do for a fucking living? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so confused. That's cool. So I, 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 that was pretty cool. That's my, dope. my cousin Avi was like, she's a big K. Michelle fan. So yeah. I didn't realize that she was. And she sent it to me, and she was like freaking out, like, like, oh my god, how is she? Is she cool? I'm like, yeah, she's pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, yeah, man, you know, this is what I do. <laughs> Casual <laughs> Thursday, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know, just, just chilling. It's my office for the day. <laughs> yeah. So that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. Damn. Is uh, Ars Beats and Lyrics still going on? I believe so, man. I believe so. I think it's definitely one of the most innovative activations in the market, honestly. Um, really in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a ground level thing. And is another one of those very cultural-driven mm-hmm. uh, programs. And honestly, they don't lead with the celebrity artists when it comes to their advertisement. Right. They don't market that way. Their rule is that we have five weeks of programming. The first four weeks is just to get people signed up. And the final week is when we actually announce the artists. Mm, okay. So the popularity for the event is already there. Right. And they are very good when it comes to utilizing local talent um, to be a part of the program, and we actually um, super cool cool thing they did at the time. Um, this is probably 2016, I believe 2016 2017. I was trying to put together a barbershop program, and technically it wasn't compliant, you know, when it comes to North Carolina r- rules and regulations. But I was trying to put a barbershop program together with Gentleman Jack to work with No Grease Barbershop, and we were going to do like this pop up thing, and I was going to try to get these parts of the kicks made because that was when. Um, Bevel uh, Blade came out, Nas's company. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to do this whole like Gentleman Jack and Bevel kind of like collaboration with right. with um because I the way I thought about it is whiskey and haircuts is a really good science because that is the black man's country club, right? So if you are able to make people feel the best they possibly can mm-hmm. at one of the most prestigious barbershops there is in the market, Gentleman Jack needs to leave there, live there, right? So instead of us doing that. Um, Jabari actually came up with a program to do a barbershop program at Arts, Beats, and Lyrics. So we paid two barbers to be there to cut hair for for free. They didn't cut hair. They cut hair for the consumers for free. Right. But we paid them to be there. Right. Right. And they actually could accept tips as well. And those guys made very good I'm money. I'm sure. Yeah. But just that little small touch completely set us apart from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such an ingenious move by Jabari. Um and it was it was at, at a unique time that unfortunately one of those guys um, I believe was murdered. Uh, that was a bartender, a barber at No Grease. It was like a big thing oh, in the news. Wow. He was like a celebrity barber, like he was like a big deal in the city. And um, it was just a it was just a, it wasn't planned to be that way, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but it just kind of happened. I was and I was happy the fact that I had the chance to get back to two young barbers that were really making things happen at the time. Um, so you know it was cool. So I think Arts Music Lyric is is beyond belief one of the best programs I've ever been a part of. That's dope. For sure. And the fact they go like to different markets and kinda, you know, show that love everywhere yeah. is pretty dope. I too. mean, they even I mean to, to the fact of utilizing DJ, DJ Skills is one of my favorite DJs. Mm-hmm. Um we use him for a lot of programming at the time. Another great local uh yes. DJ. You know, so it, it was it was cool how they went about doing it. Right. Those guys are another one. They get it. Right. So. 
when you say that event, it kind of reminds me of like South by a little bit. Yeah, I can see that being the, the case. The art, the yep. art side of it, and just kind of trying to blend music and art and kind of a little bit of everything together. Mm -hmm. And South by too is it's kind of cool because you could go down there. It's kind of changed now, but like used to, you could go down there and like your favorite artist will pop up somewhere random you wouldn't yep. even know it yep like they didn't really promote certain things like that at the time and that's where you discover like new shit like when silent disco first became a thing mm -hmm. that's where i found it at yep was at south by it yep. was something i was like what the fuck you mean i go in here and put some headphones on and somebody's just playing and mm -hmm. silent everywhere else it was weird like it was yeah. super super weird i was walking there like you yeah, need your ids i'm like for what like we have to hold them why like, well we're gonna give you these headphones and then you're gonna listen to the music i'm like yeah Wait, 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 what? Yep. And she's like, yeah, you can change channels and listen to different DJs. I'm like, what the fuck is going on yeah, here? It was, like, it was something to get used to, but after it happened, I'm like, uh, I kind of get it. Yeah. I get it. It yeah. was dope. And I like DJing silent discos became really cool, too. Like, I enjoyed yep. doing that. Mm -hmm. When they did it at Rooftop all the time. Yep. I loved doing that shit. Yeah. It was so cool. You just look out in the crowd like, from like, a DJ perspective, and you just see like different t Like How many people have my color on? How many yep. people listen to me? Whatever, and you just see them, and they'll be like, you'll see them like look at their friend, be like, oh, here, look at this, yep. listen to this one, yep. and so shit like that's just cool. But yeah. yeah, that's events like that is how I discovered cool shit. Yes, yeah, same. Um, and like you were saying with like the whole barber shop thing, like you don't see that at any like regular exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Yep. Um, damn. So where do we go from here? If, these crazy. These stories are crazy. I just want to hear more stories. <laughs> uh, well, I, I want to know what was your favorite part about living with myself, <laughs> Moose, oh, no. and Omar. Oh man, man, man that what was, was uh, that? What, what street were we living on? Uh, what, Woodville. Yeah, Woodville. 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 Yeah. That is right. Oh man, that man. was. Uh, and I had just moved back yeah. from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, from running Sweet down yep. there. Had just moved back. I was out of work for a month and a half because I was waiting for BMG to mm -hmm. send me up to uh, New York. Yep. Uh, to uh, <clears throat> prepare to open mm -hmm. up some concepts. Yep. So, and I was still getting paid, yep. and it was like he, he was out doing, you know, that was a that was a, that was a, <laughs> that was a heyday in life, man. I mean, I would tell you, like, well. I don't know how much I can share about those days, but <laughs> uh, we, can, we can we can always edit some stuff out yeah. too. Did you, Courtney you, do his dishes? Yeah, Courtney was honestly man. Courtney was a great roommate, man. Courtney was yeah. awesome, man. You know, show up, clean my dishes. Yeah. You know, you're in the shower. Next thing you know, I'm getting your back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh hey, Courtney. <laughs> how's it going, man? Oh man, did he flush the toilet? When Is you it were Thursday? In the too? Yeah, yeah. You know, I made him call me Lufa. Yeah, Lufa, so. Lufa Vandross. <laughs> Lufa oh, Vandross. Nice. That's actually a good name. My mother still that one. Oh man. I mean, so at that time, man, I was that was like me really being like in the peak of my role, man. Like I was, like I really had an understanding of what I needed to do, what my objectives were. I had a great relationship out in the market. I was out twenty four seven, three sixty five. I'm single. Like I'm, it's 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 a vibe at that point. And the company trusted me to really push the narrative a lot when it comes to the kind of accounts I was I was focusing on, and the kind of accounts I was focused on was nightclubs. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care if it was black, white, Latino, LGBTQ, I was over nightclubs, right? And Brown Foreman, and uh, man, I, I feel bad by forgetting this guy's name. I forget, I feel bad. But his role, um, he ended up retiring uh, later into my career, but his role was over dealing with chain restaurants. But he was dealing with the actual RTD side and wine and champagne. 
So for him to explain what RTD is, is ready to drinks, mm-hmm. right? So it, it, people are, have seen the Jack Daniels country cocktails, you know, Sonoma Contraire, uh, um, what's the name of the uh, other, uh, I can't remember the name, oh, Corbell, Corbell Champagne, that's what it was. So that was his role, right? And when he was doing that, he had a sampling budget for him to buy samples to be able to taste customers on. But the way his sample budget worked was that he had to spend this X amount of money every <laughs> single month. Damn. He wasn't spending that money every single month, right? So what he would do is he would lump it up every single quarter and just say, hey, Jamil, come meet me for lunch, and I will give you the rest of my samples. So he would deplete the budget, but I would get all the samples. Mm. So the only thing I had to do was go meet this man for lunch every three months. Done. <laughs> Done. I'm in there. Not Done. missing that one. What's yes. the next day? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Done. Let's go ahead and set so that up. when Courtney was living with me, we our house was beautiful, man. And people used to call it the barn because it actually kind of looked like a barn. But it was open format. And once you first walk in, the living room, dining room, and then the kitchen's all the way in the back. But there's a petition between the kitchen and the living room, right? But right next against the petition, it was cases stacked on top of each other of Jack Daniels RTDs, each flavor, mm-hmm. like three cases of each, Corbell and Sonoma Contraire. So instead of it being like, what the hell am I going to do all this stuff? Did you build a fort? No, <laughs> I didn't do that. I thought about that. <laughs> but what I used to do with it is I would leverage it to other customers sometimes when they had like house parties or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, come through. I'll give you a couple whatever. But mainly, I was having after parties. Mm. <laughs> if you stack it, if they you will stack. come. <laughs> That's hilarious. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> after parties at your house? Yeah. So, uh, man, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell <laughs> <this> one. <laughs> Something crazy had to have happened. I'll t- oh, yeah. Uh, I'll leave some things out. But because <laughs> Courtney knows what I'm about to say. I'll leave this. I'll tell this one story about the after party that we had. So one of my good friends of mine, I ain't going to say his name because he's happily married now. But. One of my good friends of mine called me and said, hey, listen, man, I'm having a tough time. I just need, I need something, man. Like, I, I need to just get out. He, a release. He needs something, right? And I'm like, listen, come come back to Charlotte. I'm going to throw you the biggest after party that I can possibly throw you. Bring your brothers down, and we're going to have a good time. He said, okay, cool. He comes down, and he's not thinking how big this after party is about to be. <laughs> I'm not even thinking how big this after party is about to be. So... We planned it out, and I think Courtney was, like, telling people. Mm-hmm. I was telling people. But then, obviously, in Charlotte at that time, because of the fact of my relationship that I had with the market, people kept saying, Jamil's having an after party. Mm-hmm. You have to go. So <laughs> it spread like wildfire, right? I get back to my house and love my little brother, uh, Omar Whitlow. He's a chef. He worked at night, so he gets back to the house, like, almost, like, 2.30 at night. He calls me and says, hey, Jamil. Who the fuck are all these people said that's out of my house? <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, people are already there? I'm on the way. So I might, I think I might have been at one of the bars late night. I can mm-hmm. say which bar it was, but I might have been one of the bars late night. Which bar I, was the way to it out? I ain't gonna say that. What part of, and what part of Charlotte did you live in? I live right outside of downtown. Uh, right right yeah. over there in uh, Westy Heights. Westy Heights. Okay. So um, I get there and it's like 30 people sitting outside my house. Mm-hmm. So eventually let him in. And crank up the music. We had like a little light show and all that kind of stuff. And literally everybody showed up. I want to say might have been 120, maybe 150 people showed up. And it was yeah, definitely 150. At least. Yes, <laughs> it was. It was. It was wild. Man. Yeah, man. The crazy. The reason why I made it so crazy is because celebrities actually showed up. 
So the show Banshee that was filmed here, mm-hmm. the film crew, the, the guys filming that movie came through along with some of the actors. And what was the other show? Uh, There's another one of those Showtime. Oh my God, it's going to kill me. There's another one of the Showtime show, but those guys showed up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize who these people were, but people in the party were like, oh my God, that's such and such. That's such and such. And other athletes showed up. And I'm not going to say who the people were or what genre they were athletes in. <laughs> But a whole bunch of athletes. Yeah, tell us this afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll definitely do that. But I mean, it was wild. Uh-huh. And I mean, people were probably there until about five thirty in the morning, right? I mean, it rivals John. De- that one rivaled John Demont's party. Yeah, for sure. Like it was one of the times when when my buddy was like, "This is exactly what I asked for." I, was like, mm-hmm. I deliver. Yep. This is what you wanted. I mean, it was. We won't go into too much detail, but needless to say, it was crazy. Yeah, that's dope. That's yeah. the name of the episode right there. I deliver. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. I deliver. I deliver. He sure did. I made a friend that night. Yes, he did. <laughs> I made a, oh. did a lot of people oh. made friends that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody made a baby that night. No so one did. Thank goodness. But yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 They might. You just don't know. Yeah. So it was. It was cool, man. I mean. Living with Court and living with Moose and living with uh, my brother Omar, we all in the same business, so we all kind of get it. Mm-hmm. So it was just a good time, you know. All right. Yeah. yeah. Eventually had to transition out of that. Courtney's got a kid out there. I see him all the time. It looks just like Courtney. That's right, guy. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at a bar. I'm like, Cor- text Courtney. Courtney, are you here? Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. Okay, well then uh, – I want to come check this guy yeah, out because he's looking just like you. This bar back is looking pretty good right now. <laughs> I'm going to pivot real quick and yeah, talk bathroom. about you and when COVID hit in 2020 yep. about your pivot oh, and yeah. where your head was. Yeah, man. So, um, man, that was an interesting time in life. Um, I was coming off of a very um, interesting time of working for a company that I was in a very weird situation yes. and it wasn't I mean it wasn't good um, I didn't feel good about myself at the time and it was tough very very tough um, but eventually um, I think COVID was the best thing that's ever happened to me to be honest with you and the reason why I say that is because being furloughed from work I had a chance to kind of reset but I also thought about am I really happy with what I'm doing at the moment and what other things can I explore to kind of like keep myself occupied. Like I'm just not the kind of guy just to sit around and just not do anything. Yeah. Like I don't really play video games. Like I don't – yeah, I'm like I got to keep myself moving. And um, my girlfriend, um, I've always had this idea of doing a dumpling fusion company. And just it was just something I don't know that just kind of stuck to me. Like I love Asian cuisine. I love to cook myself. But I, for some odd reason, having like a dumpling vessel and just putting anything inside of it seemed – like a light bulb went off in my mind. So I was sitting at her house, and Laura looked at me and said, Jamil, why don't you just start doing dumplings? Because I kept telling her, like, how bored I am. Like, God, I need to figure out something, bro. Like, living off this COVID money, mm, this ain't going to yeah, nah, This ain't it. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't do this shit all day long. I did my own hustle, but it was not legal. But, yeah. I mean, technically what I was doing is illegal, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't have any permits. I didn't yeah. have anything like that. So, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just try this thing. So I went to YouTube University, taught myself. <laughs> Best place to learn how to learn how to DJ. So absolutely, yep. uh, taught myself how to fold dumplings, how to uh, batch dumplings, how to you know look at my P and Ls and 
do the proper pricing and all that kind of good stuff and taught myself how to actually build out a pricing calculator on Excel and did all that kind of shit. And then literally from the day that I started the process and I saved up X amount of money that I was getting from COVID, um, I went out and just got buying inventory and I started testing it out. So I think I I made them and I made it for Laura. I made it for Laura's parents. I made it for like a couple other friends of mine. And they were like, yo, are you going to sell these at some point? Like you got to sell this mm-hmm. shit. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. Let me just do it. So I went on Canva, created my logo and I come up with the idea DMP LNG. So it's dumpling, but it's just an acronym. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was making cheeseburger dumplings, mac and cheese jalapeno mm-hmm. dumplings, mm-hmm. jerk chicken and cabbage dumplings, well. uh, <laughs> vegetarian taco bowl dumplings. Like I had a whole bunch of kind of recipes I was making. Tell me more, because I ate them all he and sure I loved did. Them. He sure did. So um, I launched it, and the first day that I launched it, I I did my natural thoughts of what like I'm used to when it comes to marketing. Mm-hmm. Like I took my corporate mentality and applied it to the business. And I did three weeks of programming, just saying, hey, this is DMPLNG. It's coming out X amount of time. So on and so forth. Packaging will be here. Give myself a little bit of a runway to get prepared for the orders. So I, w- I was just selling them at uh, $12 a bag for 10 dumplings in a bag. I made, at the time, I think it was like 750 dumplings, so 75 orders. Not thinking that I'm going to run through 75 orders that quickly. I sold out 75 orders within like an hour. Holy shit. Yeah. And what I was doing is I was I was doing three different kinds. With the three different kinds I was doing, X amount of SKUs, and then I had an option for people to either get delivery or come pick up. Mm-hmm. But for delivery, you had to actually, unless you're like one of the homies or whatever, mm-hmm. for delivery, you had to order minimum of three. Mm-hmm. For pickup, is whatever, right? And then if you were outside of kind of like a mile and a half or two mile radius, and then you had to order more to not to get the delivery fee mm-hmm. at that time. So it just kind of like took off, man. And I, I was just the guy just riding around all day long, selling dumplings, seeing people, making money doing it on top of what I was doing as well. And it just kind of like really opened my eyes when it comes to like the entrepreneurial idea that I had. And mm-hmm. I've always envisioned myself as an entrepreneur. You know, being a, being in the liquor business, obviously you have a corporation that backs you when it comes to your budget and all that kind of stuff. But it's your responsibility to get up and actually go do the work. It's your responsibility to get up and see your customers and build relationships and build these programs. They're not going to do it for you. Mm. They may introduce you to options, but outside of that, it's up to you to make these things happen. And he wants you to push the narrative. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of like, it, it, it was awesome, man. I ain't going to lie. I, I felt more alive at that time than I had. And then my lady told me she was pregnant. So it was like, oh, shit, I really got to get together now. Mm-hmm. Because it's time is mm-hmm. time is mm-hmm. now, right? <laughs> yeah. So that really helped out. I mean, honestly, you know, my daughter coming to this world really helped out a lot too. Because it's like, I, you know, everyone in this room at some point when a girl tells you that they're pregnant, your initial thought is like, what the fuck? But then when my lady told me she was pregnant, I was like, okay, let's make it happen. I don't I, know why. I was, the same, I was kind of the same way. You know, it just something. Yeah, yeah but uh, soon that, that's a good sign. Well, I got one. On, yeah, I got one on the way. Word. Yeah, I got yeah. that on the way, yeah. Man, yeah. congratulations, Thanks, man. bro, man. It's going to change your fucking I, life. I know. I already know. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. You have no fucking clue how much it's going to change your life for the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no clue. I promise you, you don't. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. You can say that now, and I said the same thing. Right. Any father can tell you, especially when it comes to girl dads. 
you have no clue. It's going to yeah. fucking rock your world. That girl's going to fucking make, man, listen, bro. <laughs> Whew. Well, I've got about three Mine months. Mine is 10 and she's already fucked it up. Yeah, he know. He, <laughs> he know. Like I said, you wait for it. Wait till the, oh, the time I, you hear your daughter say, I hope more boys come to the Oh, party. my God. I'm not ready for that stage <laughs> of my life. <laughs> it hit me like, I think she was six and she yeah. said that. I hope more boys come to the party. Oh, my God. I've already, like, bought, I've already bought more guns. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro. It's, it's such a... Uh, like my daughter is twenty, soon to be twenty months, but it's like it's such an even balance between understanding aggression and understanding like being a little bit soft at the same time, and it's a very weird emotion to have. It's 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 beautiful, bro. I'm telling you, man. It's it's gonna it's gonna. Change I can't life. wait. I'm ready. It's gonna be dope, man. Get oh, ready yeah. though. It's I'm ready. Dope. Always hug her and tell her you love her every day. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to do that and have your dad time the for things, sure. The things that you want as a dad. Don't budge on that. That's right. going to be your responsibility. doesn't matter what it is. It could be buying your daughter shoes. If you're a sneakerhead and you buy your daughter sneakers, nah, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. That's daddy thing. Right. Right? If it's bedtime reading, that's daddy thing. Right. You know, moms obviously get all the love in the mm-hmm. world, but dads, they need the love just as much. Mm-hmm. So you make sure you stand up for your mm-hmm. dad's thing. Whatever that is, it doesn't matter. For I sure. Just music. Yeah. Yeah. See? Just music. My Telling kid knows- you. My kid knows more about music and how it works than most DJs do. Mm-hmm. But she figured it out on her own. But he has that yeah. dad thing with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That dad mm-hmm. thing is real. Have that, find that you be, man, it's awesome, man. Definitely. I can keep going on about yeah. my dad all day long. He already know that. He was actually, funny thing is, Courtney Neesmith was the first guy to know that I had a baby in a way. Oh, shit. Yep. Yep. Standing out on North Davidson yep. Street. <laughs> <laughs> I was having one of my Courtney days, too, yep. where I was just had had it. Yep. And he's like, hey, can you, can you walk with me outside for a little bit? We, you know, and um, oh shit, had to grab something out uh, one of our cars. Yeah. I don't remember. And then he then he broke the news yep. to me. Mm-hmm. And man, the the way this dude lit dude. up, Ooh. I was so man, so excited, bro. I was just it it, it was at a, it was just at a perfect time. Yeah, like I really, I feel like going from being furloughed from work to exploring a, a passion project, accomplishing the passion project. And then now furthering that opportunity when it comes to the passion project and then having the most amazing thing that could ever happen to me in life all happening within like the same year. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just took me for a world of emotions, man. It was just a lot. But yes. it changed me for the better. That's for sure. Like, Are you I, still doing the dumpling thing? Not not the moment. Um, I ended up um, taking the time because I obviously having a baby. Right. I'm like, I, I need to chase this bag, Mm-mm. this corporate bag real quick. <laughs> yep. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, my very, very, very good friend, I got to give her a lot of praise, Heather Cheney, um, who works directly for Diageo. She hit me up and said, hey, we have an opportunity to manage this marketing company that is under uh, Diageo's umbrella. Are you interested? And I said, yep, I sure am, because I got a baby in the way, and if they're paying a lot more than what I'm getting paid right now, and there's a better cultural environment, because I hated where I was working at the time, I'm all about it. So fast forward, three-week process, you're hired. You got the job. Very competitive interviewing process. I had I heard is the people that did interview for the role were some amazing people, and I'm just I'll pat myself on the back for accomplishing it. Mm-hmm. But I was it was it was a challenge for sure. I had some talent I was going against, um, but it was like a three week process. They were trying to get somebody on board quick, and literally they called me. And they said you got the job. I said I'm turning in my week and a half notice. That's how much I hated my boss. Right. I could have turned in a week notice <laughs> mm-hmm. for real. Yep. Um, but I turned in a week and a half notice, and I was like, I'm out. Can't do this no more. And I'm so glad I did it because this company is absolutely amazing. And how long has that been now? 
It's been almost, oh, actually over two years. It's so. been, shit. It was two years in September. So shit. about two months, two years, three months now. Cool. Yeah. Dope. So Enthuse Marketing is a uh, woman-owned uh, marketing firm. Uh, they have the exclusive rights on the marketing side when it comes to Diageo's on-premise business. Um, it's probably the most talented group of people that work for this company. Um, and the way they actually set it up uh, is they have their on-premise managers like myself that control certain business aspects when it comes to the market. We have a master educator who pretty much his hints and her roles is to just educate the team on all the details when it comes to our brands and to cultivate what we call workshops. And all of our workshops include marketing strategies, sales strategies, information about our brands, and a unique collaborative effort between us and trade to have a more interactive uh, program or interactive activation. And then I have what we call educators that work in the local markets along with advisors that work in the local markets. And the educators' main objective is to educate, be an educational arm to the business to the distributorship along with the actual internal enthused employees. And then the advisors uh, is to also educate but also be more of a consultant. And they hit more of a broader approach to the kind of accounts that we actually call upon when it comes to the marketing agency agency side of things. Um, the educators really tap into the, the best of the best. So if you're an account here that is on like uh, Esquire magazine, you're getting national coverage, you're doing – Elevated cocktail programming, those kind of accounts that we really tap in a lot into when I'm marketing a uh, company. But we actually work with everyone for the most part. So, you know, there's really not too many limitations. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some internal details that we obviously can't discuss. But um, our main objective is to be the, I guess, the best of the best when it comes to anything that interacts with, with trade members to properly represent the brands that Diageo owns. Dope. Mm-hmm. What all brands do those consist of? Uh, so we have a lot, um, but Kettle One, Don Julio, Tangeray, um, Johnny Walker, Bullet, Crown. Um, I can keep going on and on, so, but it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of brands. Big brands, too. Yep. All right, we're going to try to tap into Roche here. Oh, Roche. <laughs> Yeah. Make sure he don't say nothing crazy. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roche. I don't know. Have you ever listened to this podcast? Oh, listen, have you? Li <laughs> he ain't seen Roche drunk yet, has he? <laughs> yeah. You have? I've oh, had yeah. to sober Bye. him up. Hello. Uh oh. Uh -oh. What's up? Welcome Bye. in. Welcome in. Welcome in. Shut up. <laughs> Whatever, man. You, you sound like Shine from the jail cell. <laughs> Nobody. Shine. Yep. Okay. No, I get it. Yeah. I get I it. I guess you could call me Shine in. Thank you. Okay. Well, Roche, thank Shining you. Th thank you for my song, man. Shining from the jail cell. Did they did they play the Kanye West song I told him to play? No, they they play Sosa, <laughs> bro. You already know what it is. Southside. Hey, you, Chief they, 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 do you remember us having all them conversations about three hundred? Yes. All I, t I told you. I told him. Yep. All the time, bro. You do gotta, you remember whenever? Do you remember whenever I was talking to you about it and you was like? He was like, "Oh, them little, them little motherfuckers ain't they ain't fucking around." No, they not. <laughs> they not. They not playing no games. <laughs> keep them, keep, keep them away from me. He was like, "You were like when I first saw, like the chief kid, chief key video." I was like, "Oh yeah, that, yeah, they, they ain't fucking around." No, nah, they not playing. Believe me, I seen I've seen them houses before. Nah, -uh, that's your real as hell. Hey, you miss the old Kanye? 
I, I do miss the old Kanye, man. <laughs> Fuck this new Kanye shit. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss the old Kanye a lot. <laughs> Yo, you got some this or that questions or what? I do. All right, let's hear them. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just uh, every one of your responses has to be 300. <laughs> and just to explain to the listeners this is this or that here at the parliament podcast you only have two options Jamil. you have to say yes or or you have to answer one or the two okay it can't be both or in between it's gotta be one of the two okay or today we will take 300 right. <laughs> just today just today alright Chicago or Charlotte hmm That's a tough one. At this point in my life, Charlotte. All right. Good answer. Brown liquor or clear liquor? No such thing. But I'm going to choose choose brown or aged to be specific. There's no such thing as what? Brown and clear. Really? It's either aged or unaged. Rested or unrested. Colors that I'm seeing don't exist? No, the, the colors are there, but the specifically call it is either rested or unrested or aged or unaged. That's gold. And there you heard it. <laughs> that's that's Did you know that? Did you know that, Courtney? Yes. Only what, because he's taught me that. Wait, that's, so. That's rad. So vodka is just unaged? Just, it's just, it just literally an unaged spirit. You can rest. People have rested vodka before in a barrel. But we do so understand. Vodka, huh? Vodka is a little pistol starter. <laughs> Shut up, so stupid. Now, I tell you, Baca has made me take a rest before. Yeah, you damn right. <laughs> you damn right. Shout out to Sealy Pastor Pete. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. All right. This applies to toilet paper. Does, it, does the toilet paper roll go over in the front or behind, around in the back? Around in the back? When like when it's, hang, whoop, when it's hanging down. Oh, behind. This way? Behind. Oh. Wait, wait. Like no. What? Oh, no. Wow. What are, you, what are you talking about? Like this? Like, no. So, no. Not, so not you how you it, wipe. You oh, it, the actual toilet behind. paper off the roll. Oh, oh, in the front. Okay. Yeah. Like this? Oh, yeah, like okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Over. Like right. It goes okay. over. I'm, okay. I'm thinking about you talking about how I wipe. Nah. <laughs> well, well, wait, we can't because one of my boys We're wipes crazy, from, but... he wipes from back to front. I wipe front what? to back. Yeah. Yeah, front I to wipe back. from balls backwards. Yes. Nah, he does opposite. Oh, that's weird as shit. Wait, wait a minute. Y'all aren't reaching from the front side, are you? No. He said no, his boy when is. When I wipe, his I boy like is reaching from the front. <laughs> yes. He goes through the legs. Oh, yeah, you put it on your lower back, not yeah, on your balls. That, 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 that brother. Listen, when I, when I wipe, they call it an easy E because it's front back. Inside to side. <laughs> 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 side to side. So yeah, my boy goes from back to front. Yeah, that's not right. Ooh. That's not right. And he argues with us with the we're wrong. I'm like, no, motherfucker, you're wrong. I don't know if that guy is. <laughs> Imagine a girl front, doing that. <laughs> that's like washing your ass, then washing your face with the same rag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's disgusting. Like I said, imagine a girl doing that. Yeah, yeah no, that's not good. That's oh. not good. Okay, so toilet paper over. Okay. Yeah, over. Okay. Yeah. Got another All one? Right. Yep, I got a whole list. Kim, Chloe, or Courtney? Hmm. Courtney. Mm. Why? I want to hear the why on that one. Because she's the only one that actually looks real. Yeah, that <laughs> heard. Fake as shit. 
Yeah. She's got a cute name, too. Yeah, Courtney. <laughs> Courtney got it. All right. Yo, MTV Raps or Rap City? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to have to say Rap City. Yeah, Rap Big City. Bigger. Yeah. Uh, all right, Cash Money or No Limit? Cash Money. Beat Street or You Got Served? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be Beat Street, obviously, but if anyone comes on this podcast and says, You Got Served, you need to slap the shit out of this That's, man. Uh, NBA Live. Say, say it one more time. NBA Jam or NBA Live? NBA Jams. Uh, online shopping or in-store shopping? Mm. I'm going to say online. Mm. I'm going to say online. Yeah. Just for the easiness? Yeah. Convenience is crazy. Clean, yeah. clean the house or work outside? Work outside. You get that pressure washer yet? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Damn right. Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah. Can I tell that story? No. Not yet. <laughs> no. I don't trust your stories, bro. We got too many of them. Uh, Nike or Adidas? All Nike. All the way. All. You got Janet it. or Michael? <laughs> you already know what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 I might have to say Janet. <laughs> Janet for sure. All right. Above the rim or white man can't jump? Damn. Damn. That's a good one, actually. Hmm. Man, mm. I do like Woody. I'm going to have to say uh, white man can't jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to say that. That's, I know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's debatable. Ro Rochelle knows which one I'm going with. It's debatable, man. But it's, oh, it's, a, it's debatable. Above topic. the rim soundtrack, though. Yeah, Music-wise, yes, but yeah, white men can jump versus above the rim. Not to say either one of them is better than the, than the other. I do the think acting I, is way better. Way better, bro. It's white like, men can't jump. It was good. There's more lines coming out of white men can't jump. Yeah. I think above the rim is probably like a great, a better story. But white men can't jump has so many fucking lines. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like when he was like, "I tell you what, we gonna do. We gonna gather up all these bricks." But we're going to build a house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your mama and your sister mm -hmm. can have to live. <laughs> yep. White man can jump is legendary, man. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Wesley was like, he was like, nah, nah, nah. He was like, he was like, nah, 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 nah. Mm -mm. You, 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 you pissing me off. No, no, no. You pissing me off. <laughs> this is a mind trick. All right, uh, Common or Kanye? Common. Ian or Courtney? <laughs> <laughs> I got to pick both. I can't pick one of the other. Oh, <laughs> you have to. God. 300. Honestly, <laughs> that, that's 300 right there. That's 300. Mm -hmm. But if I had to pick, I'm definitely picking Courtney. 1,000% picking Courtney. <laughs> If you were broke down on the side of the road at 3 o'clock in the morning, who would you call, Ian or Courtney? Not, definitely not Ian. <laughs> not Ian. Uh, I'll call Courtney. Now, Ian would probably still be up. No, the He'll fuck. be up. He ain't He'll coming to help. 
<laughs> no, but Ian, he was like, oh, you're stuck on Saddle Row. I'm going to sleep. Yeah, that's what he would do. <laughs> All right, that's it for me. All right, we bye. appreciate it. Thank you. I, pre- I hate I can't be there, but we got a, I got a sick kid over here at the house. No, I get it, bro. I appreciate you, fam. I right. bye. Later. Bye. <laughs> What's your social media? Can anybody find you anywhere? Yeah, man. So uh, my uh, personal is uh, V I B I N C L T vibing vibing C L T, and then my uh, business email is cocktail of choice. Um, that's going to be my enthused marketing email. I mean, my enthused marketing uh, page. Cool. Yeah. So. Business inquiries when it comes to just seeing what we have going out in the market. Cocktail of choice. That's where I push everybody to go. Uh, last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get to hear anything about uh, your, 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 your son. Um, what's, his, what's his name? Who? Your, your... Oh, my, my dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, little Alky. Little Alky. August. Yeah, we end up adopting a dog. How long has it been now? Four months? kind of dog is it? So he's a pit and a, which we don't know the actual other dog he's mixed with. That's good. But we're thinking, we're thinking Great Dane. So we're thinking. What the hell? Only reason why is because his long, his legs are super long. Mm -hmm. His paws are super big. But he walks, his shoulders walk like like a Great Dane. Mm -hmm. But he definitely has the stout of a uh, pit bull. But he gets into everything. Yeah. He's literally <laughs> outside right now, probably covered in mud right now. <laughs> no How much does he weigh? All right. Uh, right now, last time I took him vet, he was 45 pounds. So they're thinking that he's probably going to get up to about 75. Oof. And Damn. The, and the date that the um, adoption agency originally gave us, it seemed to be the wrong date because we thought he was like seven months. He's actually only five months. Oh, shit. So they were like, well, he's at seven months. He probably has another... Three months to grow, he'll probably only get to about 60, maybe at the most. Right. Well, now since the fact they found out it's five months, they're like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to be at 75, 80 pounds for sure. Wow. All right. Anything yeah. else? Well, we appreciate you coming through, man, for sure. Those stories were amazing. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you, you brother. Love you. Glad you can make it. Man, yeah. listen, anything for you guys, man, I've always, real quick before we go, I just want to say something. Radical Grove and give you guys y'all flowers. So I've been obviously with you guys since day one. Seeing where you guys initially started from when it comes to just only being a handful of you guys together and only doing a handful of accounts and only doing a handful of opportunities. And then now seeing where you guys have gone to now, it's very, very impressive. So I really want to take my hat off to you guys for understanding that you guys have a fan out of me. I love, 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 love what Radical Growth has grown into and seeing how many different opportunities you guys have taken advantage of. And how much of a leader you guys are when it comes to being not only great DJs, but being great businessmen and being classy businessmen when it comes to interacting with you guys. And I think that is a big component that people got to understand. This business is full of egos. It's, it's full of people that are living for the opportunity for someone else to tell them that they're great. Right. And then that's what they utilize as their driver, because that makes them unauthentic. What you guys have done is very, very authentic. And I do appreciate you guys, and I'm a big fan of what you guys have done. So, for me, to you guys, Thank man. you, sir. Thank, Thank you for your support. Thank you, man. Yes, for, for real. Sure. And speaking of classy on that, I got one more question. Yes, sir. Ass or titties? Oh,